You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Go, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. So we are going to go over. They've done a top five of who's going to regress, and Cody's going to have to throw another bet out. The gauntlet has been thrown out. He already owes me a steak dinner. You got we got to plan this because you got to pay off before the start of the season. We got a few weeks. He owes me a steak dinner. We have a, another bet that's coming, and we'll we'll save that. But they've been doing the top five teams that are going to regress, and the top five teams that are going to move up. Now, I'm not going to give you the list of the top five who are moving up, but I'm just going to give you something. That if you're looking at it from an A standpoint, that you should think, huh, does this apply? The one thing that they've noticed when you look at teams and you look at, okay, you start looking at each individual player's war. And you, st- you start looking at each individual player's skill set. Pitchers, fielders, batters, all of that. The one thing that they have noticed amongst the teams that year to year move up in the standings from year to year. Like last year, you won 74 games. The year after, you won 84, right? What is one characteristic that each team that moved up, what did they improve in? What What was the thing that they got better at? And you can look. There's always outliers out there. Right? There's always outliers. But the majority of teams, and they've done this study over years, what's the one area they improve to make a jump of eight games, ten games, fifteen games, whatever? Now it's tough. It's it, it's it's tough when you go from like in the in the in nineteen ninety where the Braves and the Twins both finished in last place. And then the next year, they're in the World Series against each other. Once again, those are outliers. That doesn't normally happen. Normally, teams progress at a certain rate. Well, what is the one thing? You know, some teams hit it better. Some teams pitch it better. But what's the one thing that is a constant with teams who get better? They score more runs. That is what the fantasy crowd thinks I thought, and the I, average crowd thinks. I thought that was I thought that was too easy of an answer. I was going to say pitching, but you said you mentioned pitching and hitting, so that's what everybody thinks, right? We live in a we live in a fantasy sports world. 
where everybody thinks offense, offense, offense. Improving your defense. Run prevention. Run preventing runs. Not sexy, right? You're not joining a fantasy baseball league to see run prevention. You're not. I mean, they don't have segments every night on MLB Network. The high, what's the highlight show again? MLB Tonight. No, that's that. No, that's the show. What's whip the around. No. no. Let's see, what the hell is it? I mean, I watch it every freaking night after I'm done with the. I think I think show. whip around is the one on uh, MLB on MLB Network Radio. Um, it comes back during the season. Yeah. What the. Heidi Watney did it for years. Now they have they have new girls doing it. Um, what is it called? What is it called? It's not going to be on their schedule. I right know. Now. I just realized that once I touched. You know what I'm talking about? It's on MLB Network. They never have segments. They'll show you good plays, but they don't really get into the run prevention of baseball. Folks, listen to me now. If you want to get better, run prevention is the name of the game. The best teams play defense. The Hall of Famer Rick Barry, who I used to do shows with, would always say, defense wins championships, and he was an offensive guy. But everybody will tell you, and it doesn't matter what sport, you've got to get better defensively. Because if you're not good defensively, you will be exposed. And it's the simple things. Catching it, throwing it. Not everybody has to be Gold Glover. Not everybody's got to be Ozzie Smith at short, and Roberto Alomar at second, Mike Schmidt at third. Not everybody has to be that guy. Not Nolan Arenado or Matt Chapman at third, to give you a now reference. Not everybody has to be Matt Olson at first, Freddie Freeman at first. You don't. Not everybody in the outfield's got to be a jackrabbit, but what you need to be is efficient. You have to be able to play your positions. I know it's not sexy. I know you want the magic ointment. Oh, well, if we hit X amount of more home runs and we did more extra base hits and we walk more, walk, walk, walk. It doesn't matter how you get on first base. Walk, 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 walk. No, defense. Bob Melvin teams got to the playoffs. We were good defensively when we went to the playoffs. Melvin stressed defense. Melvin got out there and hammered himself, hammered fungos to Matt Chapman. I mean, we work on deep. Ron Washington comes in with us. I mean, it's every day. Marcus Simeon worked on it every single day. What's the one you always say? You always talk about how the Rays take infill practice. Every day. We see the Rays one time a year. I'm telling you, they're a machine. The Rays, they take the batting cage back, so we do batting practice, and then the Rays come out. And everybody does, you know, the, all right, we got to stretch. You know, they do the lazy running around, act like they're stretching thing. And then they pull the cage back, and they take infield every single day. That I see. And we asked Brett Phillips, Maverick, now an angel. Oh, did you see his rental car for spring training? I did not. It's what like is a it? F- old Fiat or something like that. It's a little small car. Of course, of course it is. <laughs> By the way, the show is Quick Pitch. Quick Pitch. God, I can't believe I Thank didn't know Thank you to that. one of our YouTube commenters who said it. Quick Pitch. So, Quick Pitch. I can't believe I didn't know that. I watch it every single day. 
No one ever said I was the sharpest knife in the drawer. So <laughs> you got you you got these teams like the Rays, and it's just every day before BP, they work on it. Ground ball's a third base. Ground ball's a short. Second, first. Now I'm going to hit it to third base. He's going to throw it to second base. We're getting the out at second. Then we're going to do double plays. And I mean, they're constantly working on fundamentals. It's every day. Who's that guy who's the Disney star that is now a boxer? Jake Paul, Luke Paul, something Paul. Uh, the this uh, Jake Paul's the boxer. His he had brother's, that song. His brother's a wrestler. It's every day, bro. It's every day, bro. You got to work on defense every single day. You want to be good, play defense. You want to get better this year, play defense. I still don't know. We we I, I, maybe tomorrow. I want to play fight numbers with numbers. Maybe that'll be a new segment here on A's Cast Live. Because people throw out some ridiculous stuff, and you go, wait a minute. And when you fight it, they have numbers to back it. Whenever you use numbers, you you seem smarter than you are because you're using data. And we think smart. We are taught that smart people use data, right? Well, he's got it. Well, he's pulling out his computer, and they've crunched these numbers. And when you use data, well, sometimes always the smart people are not that smart. You ever heard of Silicon Valley Bank? Yes. Uh, uh. Uh, not smart people, not always the smartest. They always act like they're smart. And I don't give a crap if you went to Harvard. I don't get because you know what? Just because you're book smart doesn't mean you're street smart. Doesn't mean you're business savvy. Doesn't. Doesn't. Some of the smartest people, some of the best business people of all time don't even have a college degree. All right. Who's a hey, what school did Billy Bean graduate from? Uh, what was the high school he went to? Uh, that'd be Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yeah. What college? Uh, none. Wait, the guy that changed the game didn't go to college. He didn't go to Harvard. Didn't go to Yale. Didn't go to Princeton. Didn't go to Stanford. Could have went to Stanford, right? But he did not. Did he? No. No. I mean, look at the most intelligent people in the tech industry. Where the University of Bill Gates come from? Stanford. Uh, Steve Jobs. But Gates didn't graduate. Gates, Gates That's was, what I mean. He was there for like a year or something like that, Z- and then they were in their garage. Yeah, Zuckerberg dropped out of college too. Now, they're the outliers. We're yeah. talking about the smart people, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> Elon Musk. We're talking about some bright dudes. But I'm saying just because these guys, hey, I mean, pull the curtain back. We've had some fancy degree people that didn't work in our organization. They're no longer with us. So, But he, here's the deal. Get better on defense. You got to be able to pick the ball up and throw the ball. You got to catch it and throw it. The game, they get. We make the game so complicated. See this? Cherish it. Protect it. You got to protect the certain elements of the game. You hear me say, take ninety feet, own ninety feet from a base running standpoint. You have to protect this. Bill Romanowski, my old partner, Raiders, would say, Tony. After every single game, there's one thing I check that's going to tell you the majority of the time who won the football game. You know what that is, Tony? Okay? Turnovers. Who won the turnover bar? Tony, check the box. You know. <laughs> yes, I know how. Yes. And he'd be intense and the veins are coming out. Romanowski said it. The man's won four Super Bowls, played in five Super Bowls. He would say, I, he, 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 well, he would say two things. Tell me how your quarterback played and tell me who won the turnover battle. And he goes, hey, I played in Montana. 
I played with played with John Elway. We won a lot of games. Rich Gannon. You got a good quarterback, and you don't turn the ball over, you win in the NFL. It's that simple. Well, turnovers in football, that's errors in baseball. That's bad decisions in baseball. That's throwing to the wrong base. That's not getting the lead out. And now, now that we can't shift and protect bad defensive players, now you got to have slick field and infielders. And you know what? We're now going to look and say, hey, this guy's hitting 220. I don't care. He can pick it at short and play, or he can play second base. I, you need center field. You've got to be able to play defense. And the numbers projected out. How do teams get better? I have the article in front of me. I have the data in front of me. But tomorrow, maybe we'll do it. The numbers fight numbers. This whole six-man rotation does not work. That's where it'll be, I'll fight numbers with numbers. Smart guys are, we've got people in our business who are doing everything they can. They're failing at it, too. They're doing everything they can to try and figure out how to not have people pitch a lot. They're trying to do everything they can, and they're running out of options. So what's the option now? Six-man rotations. They're so desperate that they're adding uh, four-man rotation, uh, five-man rotation, uh, now six-man rotation. But baseball keeps fighting back. Baseball said, ah, you can only have so many pitchers on the roster. I mean, seriously, a 26-man roster, can you imagine? I bet there'd be teams willing to basically have no bench but like a backup catcher and one other guy. Let's find one other guy that can play infield. That was a super utility. Hey, who can play every position? We're going to have you and a backup catcher. Everybody else is a pitcher. Yeah, all the other 15 guys are, pit- are pitchers. I bet they would do that. that that's the, These front offices are nuts. So we're going to fight math with math because they're trying to they, – they're going to give us, oh, hey, man, I'm going to tell you, yeah, spin rate changes third time through the order, fastball velocity changes. Oh, I got all this information. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to fight back with math tomorrow to show you how ridiculous. And I know I'm right. Can I tell you why? Why is that? I know I'm right because I cornered Scott Emerson in the clubhouse two days ago. Emo's a bright guy. Emo's one of the best. Scott Emerson, our pitching coach, is one of the best pitching coaches in the game. He's smart. And I cornered him right before I got out of Dodge. And I told him, we did the math. Do you know he came within like four outs of knowing? So if I said to the average A's fan, how many appearances did Domingo Acevedo have? And some A's fans, astute A's fans, would say 70. And if I said, okay, how many outs did he get? I bet the average A's fan couldn't. I even the most astute A's fan wouldn't get it. Emo got it. He Emo was within four. So the whole thing is if you go to a six-man rotation, you now need seven bullpen guys to basically get somewhere around – 240 to 250 outs each a season, right? Those seven guys, whoever they are, and you can be busting guys up and down from from Vegas, especially Sacramento. I do have the Stockton Port hat on today. You like that? Um, it's about two. It, it really works out if you do the math perfectly. Say, if we're going to go a six-man rotation for the entire year, which is not true, days off, and they're not going to. But if they did, 
They would need 200, I think it's 253, 254.3 outs for each of the seven guys. So I asked Emo, hey, do you know how many Domingo Acevedo got? He said 207. Pretty damn close. For a guy being put on the spot, I put him on the spot in the clubhouse. Emo was four off. 203, right? It's 203. So our best reliever through 70 games, he he got 203 outs. He's literally over 40 outs short of what we're going to need from seven guys if you go to a six-man rotation. The math just doesn't add up. But the one thing that does is defense. Got an article here. You play defense. You get better on defense. The name of the game, we think it's offense. We have home runs. We've got a home run. The name of the game is run prevention. If you become really good at preventing runs and you won 74 games or 64 games or whatever you won last year, 62 or 60, you will get better. Could be by five games, eight games, ten games. But if you don't kick the ball around and give extra outs, baseball historically shows you will be a better team. So this list of this top five teams they project, they they project from what Pakota is saying, all teams that they're projecting to have a nice growth, all are better defensively. All of them. Yeah. Did they add offense? Sure. Did they add pitching? Sure. But just looking at the guys that they add, the guys that they have, their skill sets, their wars, they're better defensively. That projects them to be better. So we're starting negative. All right. Well, we'll start with the team that uh, we have a bet for. We have a Mexican food dinner bet. I say regression of the Seattle Mariners. They will not make the playoffs. Uh, ESPN has them fifth on the list. There's obviously five teams. They're fifth. They were 19-72 last year. They Pakota has them going 83-79. and 73? And, oh, I'm loving my chances already. And they added a bunch of, you know, they've added people in the offseason. Um, they signed Julio Rodriguez. You're going to have a full year of Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray. Oh, Jared Ray. Kelnick, this yeah. is the year. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. By the way, Hembo was on Buster's podcast yesterday. I listened to him. He thinks that every every team, he put the NL, the AL West is like the f- like fourth toughest division or something. And he said that like, every team is going to win like an average of 80 games, except for like the Astros. So pretty much like the, the Mariners, Angels, Rangers. Tim Kirkson thinks they're a playoff team. I'm with Tim Kirkson. I think the Mariners are a playoff team. I think they're going to do it again. But the great thing about it is, is I may be the only person you've ever worked with that calls you on your stuff. And I make you bet on it. And you're now, you owe a steak dinner. You could be owing a now another dinner at the end of the season. Well, that's and fine. maybe more. That's fine. I'll, I stand by this. I think the Mariners are too good not to make the postseason. Mariners are not going to be in the postseason. Even with the expanded, the expanded. I just need them to get in. I don't, they don't have to win. Just That's get in. That's a fact. You just need the, you need you, them and to, you just need every the fourteen other teams to not make to let them get in. <laughs> I you, you just need them to participate in one playoff game and I owe you dinner. Yeah, they meet. Hey, they. By played. the way, you're running out of time. When are you taking me to dinner? I, I thought I thought you said. We, I, I think we. I mentioned we'll do it one of the two days before the season starts. Was that the twenty eighth or 29th? Yeah. So Tuesday, Wednesday, we're not going to be working. I need a little break from steakhouses, by the way. Yeah. So that's why I said we'll do it then. <laughs> I. 
33 ounces of beef. Two pounds. I can't sit there and eat two pounds. All right, number two. Number well, This is fourth on the list. Uh, I, yeah, they're going to regress a little bit, but the Astros. This is kind of a Captain Obvious, though, right? They have. Thank they, you, Captain Obvious. They won 106 games last year. Uh, they lost Verlander. They lost Gurriel. Uh, they're going to – Dakota has them at 95 wins. So, if they win 105, they've regressed. They're still going to win the division, so they're still <laughs> going to be a playoff team. They won 106 last year. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Remember the year that them and the Dodgers was – did they win 107 and then the Dodgers won 106? Was no, that's the Giants and Dodgers. The Astros were good that year, too. No, there was a there was a year where the Astros and the Dodgers, but they were both one hundred seven and one hundred six. Yeah, I know the Giants. It might have been it like, might have been twenty nineteen then. So if I won one hundred and six games and I now win one hundred and one, I had I I did not have the yeah, same right. year. Regress, fact. Regression to the fact. Uh, by the way, Kyle Tucker, Courtney, a lot of people had have a breakout year. He only had thirty home runs back to back years. So a breakout candidate this year. St. Louis Cardinals coming on the list. Ooh, the Redbirds. The team you, I disagree with this. team you said will win the division. They I, are going to win the division. I still think it's going to be Milwaukee. They won 93 games last year. Pakota has them at 86 wins. They have the, oh, wow. They have the wow. Bre- Brewers at 87. I'll take the over on that. Uh, number two, I can't believe they're actually writing this. I can't believe this is in the article. This is called clickbait. The New York Yankees. Who won 99 games last year? They Dakota has them at 97 wins. There's not a doormat in their division. Even though we're playing less division games, there's not a doormat. No. I mean, if you look at the AL East, and we're talking about Red Sox, Who Blue Jays, Blue Jays could win the World Series. Yep. Tampa is always in it, and Baltimore's better. You're not beating Baltimore 18 times, you know, or 17, 16 times. Yeah, you're going to play them 13. That's the crazy thing about Baltimore, too. I know they're they, they're not even on any, either list. Everyone's saying Baltimore's going to win 73 games. How are they 10 games worse than they were last year? Because they didn't add anybody? They have all these young guys coming up. Yeah, Just add that, them in. That, that doesn't always that doesn't That's true. Always play. But, I mean, they did, I mean, it's not like they didn't do I mean, they didn't really do much. They I mean, didn't do they anything. Traded, they traded they, for Cole Irvin, and they signed uh, uh, Kyle Gibson. It's they, there could be regret, you know, because what happens? Young players come up, have success, and then the next year, what happens? Well, it's it's, it's a tough league, man. And there's a lot of pressure on Adley Rushman this year. A lot of pressure. Gunnar Henderson's going on the team, and Grayson Rodriguez, and they got like eight other guys. They got Matt Holiday's son yeah. who's so, coming up. So all you prospect geeks, no offense, but all you <laughs> prospect geeks think that these guys are all going to like come in and just dominate, and when they don't. You just go, wow, I can't believe that. I mean, Jared Kelmick is a great example of everybody had him as a superstar player for the Mariners. Yeah. And he's still trying to figure it out. Well, I don't know. This could be the year. Uh, Look at J.J. Blade. Yeah. We're, we're banking on J.J. Blade, whose numbers were not good. But, I mean, looking at him and watching him, I mean, he looks like he could be a baller. But it's like you just don't know – Especially when I got like Julio Rodriguez. Am I going to be shocked if he doesn't have the same numbers? No. I heard someone, I think it was Xavier Scruggs mentioned he thinks he could be a 40-40 guy this year. That's a lot of, I mean, I mentioned him too, but that's his home runs and stolen base have to climb by double digits each for him to get there. And that's this a- is why people like me bet, bet dinner bets because when people say outrageous stuff, you've got to call them on it because the odds are I'm going to win. The odds are in your favor. I'm still taking the Mariners. Uh, last one. Before we get to your improved, before John E.D. 111 wins last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 95 this year, according to Picota. That'd be 
the Los Angeles Dodgers. That that is super fair. I mean, the Los Dodgers the, could win ninety. I mean, Dodger, Dodgers could not be good. I mean, what, what did Hembo tell us? They He's, could. They're still going to win the division by at least ten games if they win ninety. So the Padres are only going to win eighty. Padres are not as Padres are not as together. I've learned not as together as everybody thinks they are. It's fair. But yeah, you won one hundred and eleven games. You had a historic year. Yeah, you could see. I mean, I mean, you you win ninety games. Let's say they win ninety games to still win the division. You win ninety games, and the year before you won one hundred and eleven. That is a huge drop off. It's like it's like a couple years we talked about with the Giants. They won one hundred and seven, won eighty one and eighty one last year. All right, teams that are on the come. They're on the up and up here. We're going to start with the Twinkies, the Minnesota Twins, who went 78 and 84. But good news, Carlos Correa is sticking around. They added Pablo Lopez, too. Pablo Lopez was traded from the Marlins. We'll talk about that tomorrow. And uh, you got to think, this is a team. I was going to ask you over under 100 games played by Byron Buxton this year. I'll take the over. Ooh. Yeah, I only gonna, need 101. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's over. This, this, is year, this is year he stays healthy. Number four, the Texas Rangers. They won 68 games last year. They have them jumping to 79. How many starts? DeGrom, Evaldi, Heaney. Perez is back, who people didn't think was going to be back. John Gray, three of those guys just threw a bullpen session for the first time. DeGrom, John Gray, and hey, uh, Voldy. DeGrom has thrown in a game. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Minor league game, but he threw in a game. Threw in a game. <laughs> You're ready to – let's see. The Rangers' payroll will climb from $160.5 million to $21.5 million. How about that? Is that insane? Huge payroll jump for them. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm not buying it. Um, yeah, no. I but mean, then then again, if, if they just won 69 again, games, they're better than last year. I mean, what do you, you're projecting them to be under 500, and they're spending $225 million, $221 million to be under 500. Is that a big deal? Um, I mean, yeah. In a bad way. Yes, yes, that's what I mean. You jump from 160 to 221 and you're still not 500? That's very bad. That is very you're spending, bad. You're just spending money irresponsibly. Number three team we is, both like. is a team that I'm touting. It's my National League West team. My Snakes, my D-backs. Tori Lovello, great leader of men. 74 wins last year, projected four. 74 wins this year, but I'm not buying it. Ton of athleticism. Uh, I think the Rockies, because of speed and not afraid to run, the new rules are going to play for them. The the, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks will win more than 74 games. I agree. And they are a team on the rise. Corbin Carroll signed that extension. Remember, last year after the All-Star break, they stole, I want to say it was 68 bases, but they stole at a clip of 80.2% success rate, which Himbo said. If you look at the numbers, if you're stealing over 75%, it's worth it. They were stealing at an 80% clip. That is huge. Number two on the list, and we just previewed them. How about the Cubbies? Cubbies have signed a lot of different dudes. Swanson, Tyon, Bellinger, Boxberger, Fulmer, Mancini, Hosmer's there. 
74 wins last year, an improvement. Pocoto's got him at 76. But uh, biggest difference, and this is something that Jesse Rogers kind of poo-pooed from ESPN, but I disagree with. If you pick up the ball, you throw the ball, and you play defense, and you don't give up outs, people got to realize it's it's simple. You got to get 27 outs. How do you get 27 outs with your pitchers and your defense? You improve on defensive runs saved, run prevention immediately increases your win total. I don't care if you don't have a MVP candidate. I don't care if you have a Cy Young candidate. If you get better at preventing runs as a team as a whole, that's with your pitching and your fielders, you immediately will get better. You will win more games yeah, than you did the year before. It's just it's fundamentals. If you're better fundamentally, you will be a better team. And that is what the Cubs are going to be. Do they hit more? Do they pitch more? I don't know. But they're going to be way better defensively because they were atrocious. And this article says, it's been a study, that you see all teams that improve, especially by 10 games in a season, what's the one constant all of them have? Better on defense. Okay, it's not, well, they had X amount of this pitching or X amount of this. The one constant that every team that goes from a 10-game increase in wins from year to year, every team gets better defensively. It's in the data, even though you don't believe in data. And number one, oh, where is it? Where is the rally monkey? Number one, team to increase in baseball. The Angels haven't finished in last place of their division since 1999. (laughs) The Angels are now tied with the Tigers for the longest playoff drought. In fact, Los Angeles hasn't even finished above 500 since 2015. How many playoff wins does Mike Trout have? Zero. Well, he's an Eagles fan. You talk about going to Eagles games? True. He's won more games. He's won more games than WBC. Are you talking about WC Mike Trout or Angels Mike Trout? <laughs> uh, Angels Mike Trout. They have signed big free agents, and of course, who comes in here? It's got. They're going to throw in Renfro, Urshela, Drury. Those guys showing up, but Rendon, a healthy Rendon. Phil Nevin has said, hey, Rendon looks good. Rendon is redu- is doing Rendon-like things in their training camp. Under I have no idea what the hell that means. Over under 120 games for him. 120. I'll take the under. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'll take that too. There'll be some bicep injury coming Who's up. Who's going to pitch? Besides Otani? Heaney? That's your guy? Oh, re- uh, there was an article yesterday. Reed Detmers is aiming for 20 wins. Okay. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a decent pitcher. but All right, so the teams that they have improving and not going over their Pakota, but there's reasoning why they like them. It's the Twins, the Rangers, the Snakes, the Cubbies, and the Angels again. The Angels again, who haven't finished over 500 since 2015. It's a joke, an absolute joke. So we had guys sent down yesterday. And we're getting to that point to where we're starting to kind of see where the roster, you know, certain guys, young guys having great springs. Lawrence Butler sent back down to double A. He's not far away. He could be a guy that we see that goes from double A to the big leagues. I don't know. Could be. Um, Dermis Garcia, the battle for first base is really starting to shine right here. And, you know, a lot of these moves, they come down to flexibility. 
Now, I I would say Ryan Noda has outplayed Dermis Garcia. But when you look at Ryan Noda, he's a Rule 5 guy. You can't send him down. If you send him down, you have to offer him back to the Dodgers. So there's things like that that you start looking at. Uh, one thing that I noticed yesterday, and I've been bullish on him, and it really kind of helped set the outfield. And he, when he hit it, you knew it. That's, that's one of the great things about being at games versus watching these games or listening to these games is when you're there and you're close and you, you hear that sound off the bat, you know when a guy got it. And Connor Capel ripped one out of the ballpark yesterday. I've been bullish about him, watching him play, watching his, his approach, really watching his swing. As they say, the barrel stays through the zone a long time. Uh, I, I've said he kind of body-wise kind of looks like Brian Giles to me. Uh, Connor Capel is a guy that after starting to watch him, I realized I want to see more of this guy. I was saying that last year. I'm going, I kind of, you know, got a good eye. Makes a lot of contact. Connor Capel is somebody that when you look at him, you go, I want, I want to see more. I need to see more. And he has lived up to that. Now, if he would have come out and stunk it up in spring, maybe I would be saying another thing and maybe be saying something different. But Connor Capel didn't get the right opportunity in St. Louis, I believe he got nine games. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Nine games. Like, here's nine games. There's your shot in your life. Nine games. <laughs> Welcome they, to the big leagues. And they, yeah, and we're going to do the Cardinals on Wednesday, actually. Um, they have a very talented outfield as it is, so I can understand why yeah. he didn't get a chance to play. I mean, they got Tyler O'Neill. They had Harrison Bader, but traded him. They have Bader's some, gone. I mean, they have a luxury of yeah, dudes. Lars Newtbar. Like, they have guys that are playing in their outfield that are very Japanese. talented. Yeah. WBC, yeah, and I know leader of the Japanese team. Uh, I forget. I know we're forgetting one other guy, but anyway, they have so many talented players in their outfield that they didn't really, they didn't, they had no space He's for blocked. Connor Capel. Guys yeah. get blocked, so you know what? Where do you go? You go to a place that's the land of opportunity, a place like Oakland, for years, a place like Tampa, a place where a place essentially there are organizations that will say. I don't care where you're drafted. I don't care what your signing bonus was. I don't I don't care how you got here. You ball, you're going to get a chance to play. It's that simple. That's what Oakland is. We're the land of misfit toys. And we have been like that for a long, long time. And it has worked. The Chicago White Sox, they just didn't know what to do and what Marcus Simeon was going to be. You know? Florida Marlin great. Mark Canna. They're the Florida Marlins then, right? Uh, ooh. Yeah. They had, yeah when they, they drafted them, I think they would have been. Had to have been. Then they they have, but then we've been Miami a couple of years. When they, switched, they moved to the new ballpark, I think they became Miami. So 2012-ish. Yeah. Yes, he was before yeah, that. Yeah, so he was ballpark. a Florida Marlin. Florida Marlin Mark Canna, who then was a Rocky, and we rule fived him. I don't remember how. There was the Rock, the Rockies were involved. The Rockies. We got him from the Rockies. Yeah, I think the, the Rockies claimed him, and then we traded for him from the Rockies. And we rule fived him. 
Uh, I thought I thought he was Rule Five by the Marlins. The Rockies got him, then we got him through the Rule Five through a trade. Well, didn't he go from Cal to the Marlins? Cal to the Marlins, yes, and the okay. Marlins to the Rockies. Rockies in Rule Five, him, then we trade for him, and then we get his Rule Five rights. Yes, something like that. Was, Don't look yeah, it up. Yeah, it was something. It's something along those. I know the Rocky. The Rockies are like the middle team. So, Mark Canna. Who was Mark Canna? No one even knew, right? Mark Canna was a guy. Who was like, what the hell is he going to play? Huh, he could play first, could play third, could DH. Next you know, we got him in the outfield. Hell, we had him playing center field. So the point is, a Brandon Moss was Pittsburgh, signs here. I mean, he had a cup of coffee with Pittsburgh and Boston. It started in Boston, then Pittsburgh. He came here, and, like, it was his contract, right? He had, like, to be brought up, or, or he could be a free agent. And we had to pick it between him and Manny Ramirez. And they brought up Brandon Moss. Who? Well, he became an all-star. We're the land of misfit toys, but we're the chance. We're your opportunity. And Ryan Noda is that new guy. So the roster kind of taking shape. Also, I would say the biggest dilemma that we have now, whether there may be two, there may be two, but the biggest dilemma we have now is what are you going to do with Christian Pache? Because if I'm telling you, Capel is going to play, right? Capel is in the outfield. He's earned the right. He showed you last year. He's backing it up. You love it when someone backs up. You know, because basically last year at the end of the year, we're using 64 players, total tryout. Capel played well, earned a spot, or at least earned the right to have a spot, and he's backed it up in spring. He's going to be here. Ramon Laureano's going to be here. Seth Brown, going to be here. Because you've got Noda and and, and, uh, Aguilar who are going to first base DH, right? Seth Brown can still DH. Flexibility. But your three outfielders, probably opening day, Capel, Laureano, Seth Brown. All right. That's three. You get two more. You get two more. Well, now you have a group of guys that you have to keep one of those slots open because you have people like, Tony Kemp. You have Aledmus Diaz. You have a bunch of these guys that are versatile that can play all over, but especially Tony Kemp played a lot of outfield for us. So that's kind of four spots there. So it's three guys and then a rotating spot with a bunch of dudes that can play. That leaves one more spot. And that's the daily dilemma, as our old friend John Lund used to say. The daily dilemma is... Are you going to go Pache, who's out of options? Because you know you lose him. If he doesn't make the roster, you're going to lose him. Ruiz is not having a – our old buddy SD Ruiz is not having the best camp, but he has showed some extreme talent and how special he could be. To me, that is the dilemma right there. What do you do between those two guys? And to throw in kind of a another roster spot, the other one is really shortstop. You want to think Nick Allen is the guy, but Diaz can be the starting shortstop and a guy that can kind of float around since you've brought over Peterson on a two-year deal and Diaz on a two-year deal. They're guaranteed on. What the hell do you do with Kevin Smith? Kevin Smith was King Kong Bundy at the end of last year. Great reference. I mean, he was, as we said, Kevin – when we interviewed Kevin Smith this spring, we were like, 
you know what it's like to be Barry Bonds or Babe Ruth. That's what he was at the last month. The last month down in Las Vegas, yeah, I'm not hitter-friendly. It doesn't matter. Still put up the numbers. He literally was like Barry Bonds or Babe Ruth. From, I think it was from September 9th on. How many home runs did he do? 11? 11. 11 home runs. And from, hit like almost 400. Yeah. And, I mean, it's Ted Williams. I mean, it was like – and Fran Reardon told us their, his, his manager was like, it was one of the most incredible things he ever seen. He showed up every day and got three hits and a bomb or two bombs. I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, he's backing it up. What's he hitting yeah. now? He's hitting 385 with two home runs and 10 runs driven in the spring. He hit the walk-off grand slam the other day in the spring training game. He's doing what you thought he was going. Now, I'm not saying he's going to hit 385, obviously. I'm not. I'll it's, slow down on the numbers. He's not going to hit 11 home runs in a month. But you thought he was going to be a good player when you traded him for Matt Chapman. He just needed an opportunity. He shows up, doesn't start off hot, gets injured. Remember, it was the play at first base. Gets injured. Never the same until the last month. Well, he, you went out really not sure about Kevin Smith. You you just couldn't buy that last month. And what happened? You went out and got Jace Peterson. But now Kevin Smith's hitting again. He's backing up what he did in the last month. And he, even though third base, really grew up as a shortstop. So if he grew up as a shortstop, you could play second base. So, really, he can play short, third, second. That's your other dilemma. What are you going to do in the infield? You've got Nick Allen. you got Kevin Smith. Both have options to where Diaz and Peterson are signed to two-year deals. So, you start looking at the 26-man roster. What are they going to do? Pache Ruiz. And what are you going to do with these infielders? And let's not forget, Tony Camp, we talked about that rotating spot in the outfield. He also wants to play some infield. Yeah, and we saw that Jordan Diaz went down and J.J. Bleday went down, so you know that we're going to see Pache Ruiz. And Pache's hitting 417 in spring training. Two more hits yesterday. What did you ask him to do? Get better offensively. And what's he doing? Gotten better offensively. And who did you trade him for? Uh, Matt Olson. Are you not going to give this kid every opera? I mean, we're not going to the World Series, folks. Hate to tell you. I may hate to break the news here, but. Uh, Bulletin board material. Bu- oh, <laughs> Townie put it up in everybody's locker. Townie said you're not going to the World Series. Um, I don't know how you don't give Christian Pache. If you know the minute you send him down, you lose him. I don't know how you don't give him every opportunity. If he was hitting 200 again, I'd say good riddance. I was done with him last year, but he's done what you asked him to do. I haven't seen him. I don't know what the change is, but the numbers reflect it. And as long as he hits, and I'm looking at your notes there, he has over 1,000 OPS. Pretty good. We know he's an outstanding defender. Could be a gold glove defender. We don't need him to be great leadoff guy. We don't need him to be great offensive player. If he hits, he's got to play. He's got to play. You trade him for Matt Olson, man. The whole Matt Olson trade just can't be Langoliers. Yeah, because you got Cusick and Estes who uh, they're not. I mean, Cusick Q- pitched us the other day in the spring training game, but those two guys, you know what you're getting out of them. And, you know, you got Langoliers. So you, you it's but, just, but this can't it can't just be based off of him. You can't no. have traded Olsen for four guys. Do you know what Langoliers will have to be the, the, to even 
if if this ends up being one guy really plays for you in the big leagues, how good Langoliers will have to be to even come close to living up to what training was. And it's not fair to him, but for Matt Olson. I think we put realistic expectations on him when we were in Arizona. I think 25-25 is realistic. I'm telling you, Matt Olson someday will get some Hall of Fame votes. At the end of his career, gold gloves, I still think he'll win an MVP. I think he's going to have over 400 home runs. He will get some. Somebody will give him. But check the tape. Click the tape. You can go back. Mark the, mark the tape. Mark the tape. I'm only joking. You're never going to go back and look at that because that literally is a career and then five years retired. We'll be, if, I'm not, if I'm not retired by the time Matt Olson is done, I've done some bad financial <laughs> things. I mean, he's, still in, he's <laughs> in his late 20s. I mean, that's what an, I'm saying. He's got another gonna, 15 years probably. And then there's – remember, once he retires, five years. That's what I mean. I was basically – I was saying if he plays, he's 38, retires. I would hope he'd be alive by the time that <laughs> happens. But, yeah, I mean – Shane Langoliers, that's a lot to live up to. So Pache hits, he's got to play. I, I I don't see I don't see how there's any way he is not on this roster. And if Ruiz has to start down for Fran Reardon, then so be it. Yeah, he's only hitting he's starting in I believe he's in I have the lineup, let me see. He's I believe he's in the lineup today hitting leadoff against the Rockies, but he's only hitting two hundred in spring training right now. He has three steals and he does have a home run. Pache's have a home run. But Pache has the 417 average and the thousand, over 1,000 OPS, which is something we wanted to see, yeah. and he's doing it. Raise your glass and say, you know what? The WBC, it was great to have you, but the WBC, pour one out for my, for my friends, as they like to say, uh, it is all over. The WBC will never, ever, ever be the same. Edwin Diaz... Everybody's fear that having elite players playing games that really don't matter, that this is a made-up event for Major League Baseball, I've been all for it. It's great for growing the game internationally. It's great to have baseball going. What we think is meaningful games, I was watching it last night. I was even watching. Where were you? You were probably sleeping. I was scouting Australia Cuba last night from the Tokyo Dome. Uh, no, I wasn't. Watch- I watched the U.S. game and then I had to go celebrate a birthday. I was watching it. I watched a little bit of the U. Captain America, Mike Trout. Um, yeah, this is this is the fear. And when I say this kills the WBCS, I mean, excuse me, the WBC. I just mixed the WBCS. And, well, what do you think college football? I don't know. Jo- NCAA tournament started this morning. George, George is on my mind. Um, yeah, congratulations. Hey, happy March Madness, baby. Started, I was watching, uh, who was I was just I was watching? Maryland and WVU. That's, that was the first the game. West the- Virginia, the, the average folk. Yeah, and then uh, Virginia and Form- Furman are playing right now. That's is Virginia f- going to gag again? Please don't. I, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for them in the tournament every year. The great Tony Bennett. Oh, you're a big college basketball guy? Well, Tony, I like Tony Bennett, their coach. Former Washington not State coach. Not the singer? No, not him. He's fine. Uh, you're talking about a guy just signed a five-year, $102 million contract on a team that's like World Series or bust. Anybody, is it me? World, I mean, Met, Met, Mets. Mets have been talking a big game. Mets are like the Padres. They've been talking a big game. Mets are World Series or bust. 
Here they were leading their division last year through the majority of the year. Oh, just wait till we get DeGrom and Scherzer healthy. Well, they got DeGrom and Scherzer healthy, went down to Atlanta and got swept. And the Braves took the division. Then they got to host the Padres. And they got beat two straight games in their home yard with DeGrom and with Scherzer. Now this offseason, Steve Cohen, Uncle Steve, he's got all this money. We're just going to outspend everybody. Ah, uh, they don't care about the luxury tax. You're now going into, because this guy, I mean, obviously, what he did last year, and that, there's a reason why he got all those Cy Young votes, because he, Timmy Trumpet, and he came out, and he was electric. He's gone. He's gone for the year. Your ace closer is gone for the year. A's fans, 1989, how would you feel? Dennis Eckersley is out for the year because of a WBC game. This is the worst fear Major League Baseball owners had. Like, they were like, okay, okay, Rob. I don't know, was this Rob's idea? No, because this started started in like 06. So I when C-League was still in office. All right, bud. All right, baseball. All right, New York. How about that? How about New York? Yeah, Manhattan. Madison Avenue. You guys want to start this? We'll play along. We'll we'll try. Well, we won't discourage our top players from going. We'll 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 kind of sit back and cringe while it's going on. Owners do not care. I mean, the owners like the game growing internationally. They like the money that they get. But how do you think Steve Cohen feels right now? That he up, you know, a lot of people say don't pay big money for closers. He just paid $102 million and his closer is out for the year. I'm telling you right now, what's this, every four years? I think it's every three. It's supposed to be every three. Every, oh, because of COVID? Yeah. Every three years, you're, you're now, it's going to be minor league players. You're going to have, and, and you wonder why all these top pitchers don't want to play in it? It's death to the beat WBC. And it's not even in the championship game. It's not even in the field of play. It's celebrating. And oh. not and not, not that we're going to put these guys in bubble wrap. I mean, you can get hurt at any point. I understand that. But at least if you're getting hurt playing for me and in training camp, you're playing for me. This is not even this is an injury of a celebration. This is going to go down. Kendry's Morales changing his career after that grand slam that was on a Saturday on the Fox game of the week, jumping on home plate. <laughs> Aubrey Huff flew out his knee, jumping over the railing for a celebration with the Giants. I mean, but whatever. You just lost your closer for the year, and he wasn't even with you. He was at this quarterfinals game. This will give everybody reason to say, yeah, I don't want you going. Hey, you want to take our minor leaguers? Great. You know, like Jordan Diaz, our guy, made the last out against the United States yesterday. You know, it's great experience for him. That's who, that, that's who this will be for. This will be for these guys. That, that's, who, that's what the WBC will become. It will become lesser players. There's already some of these teams you have no idea who these guys are. But, yeah, the star players, 
especially pitchers. Yeah, I, 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 it'll be dramatically different, and this will be what they use. This will be, it'll be. Hey, you don't want to be Edwin Diaz. I don't want you to be Edwin Diaz. I mean, look at look look at somebody like Clayton Kershaw couldn't even get the insurance to play in this thing. The insurance the insurance was so expensive. Baseball didn't want to pay it, and he didn't want to pay it. You're not going to spend millions of dollars on insurance. I mean, that's what supposedly it was. It was a lot of money to insure his contract. Obviously, he's got some – he's pitched a long time. There's a lot going on, that arm, that shoulder, and that elbow. But you're not going to pay that kind of money for that kind of insurance to pitch a, just two times or whatever it would be. Now what's the insurance going to be? Now that you have someone – you know, you have the insurance in case something like this happens. How about the insurer now will have to pay the insurance on, I don't know exactly how that works. I'm not in the, insur- in the insurance business. But Edwin Diaz, if he's making $20 million a year, or what, what is he making? What, what, what's the average annual value of this year? Uh, let's see. What's he made? What are they going to have to insure for this year? What are the Mets going to get? Like the Mets care. $17.25 million. According to what I found, seventeen million. That's his base salary plus a two million, like two point four million dollars salary or signing bonus. So, saying his payroll salary is like nineteen point six. You think an insurance company's thrilled about that? Uh, most likely not. No. Death to the WBC, as you know it, trying like desperately to get the best players to play, and 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 I talked to a future. Hall of Famer and Max Scherzer. I mean, I can just see it now. Get my guy Tim Kirchin back to uh, Port St. Lucie or where the hell are they train? He's in Arizona right now. But where do they train with the Mets train? I think that's right. I talked to a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, so go talk to that future Hall of Famer. Max Scherzer's going to say, told you so. Well, remember, he wanted it done during the All-Star break or in the middle of the season when that's even worse, I think, to have guys go. I just it's 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 foolish. It's like getting hurt at the Pro Bowl. Right? It's like it's it's like a guy getting hurt. That that's why they don't go full go in the All-Star game in the NBA and hockey and it's it's, it's like, "Hey, let's just kind of, you know, cuz it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's that these games are just I mean, I if I was a Mets fan, I'm crushed today. If this was us, let's just say we had the what's their payroll at? The Mets two sixty five. I, don't I don't think it's know. higher than that. It's not three hundred. I can let me. I can look it up. Whatever their payroll is and the expectations of the New York Mets. Apparently, according to Koch, they have roughly three hundred sixty four million dollars committed to the payroll for twenty twenty three. And that's including with the luxury tax stuff included. Oh my God! Hey, hey, good news. More breaking news coming from the Athletic. Good news. Umpires' inspections of pitchers' hands and fingers will be more frequent and thorough this year. Oh. Great news. Great news. I saw a thing earlier, too, that uh, the, the umpires can now see what the replay people are doing in the back in New York uh, via Zoom. So they're going to have, like, iPads on the field. With so the are they, are they going to be able to tell us I, what they're looking at? I think it still comes down to the guy in replay chair makes a decision in New York. You know, you know what somebody needs to, and actually, I have a buddy who's a former police captain, big time A's fan. 
who they've created this like hand x-ray thing that they can x-ray and see exactly what you got in your pockets and everything. So it's like whether you could use that at a ball game, at the airport or whatever, they have this new thing that they've patent pending. And you know, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if we just had something that the put your hands out? I had like an app or something, put your hand so people can see it. And I could just go like this. All right, there's nothing on your hands. Yeah. Instead, instead of me feeling you and touching your hair, I could just do the app and I could be like, all right, you're good. Or. You know, like in the movies, like you put something or, or like a, a CSI thing, and all of a sudden there's a weird light blue thing on your hands. Oh, you're talking about the, 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 the what do they call that, black light? That yeah. You, the people use CSI, yeah. there's that weird, wait yeah. a minute, we got some body fluid yeah. here. There's residue. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait a minute, we got, you know, that's what we need. We need every up to have like some type of device where you can just scan your, scan your hands, scan your jersey, scan you, and see, nope, you're clean. I mean, the fact that we're so, we're, we're, hey, Musgrove, you, you look a little sweaty here. I mean, but, man, I, I feel for Edwin Diaz. I mean, that's bad for our game, right? Timmy Trumpet, the New York City, I mean, uh, Queens, place going nuts. Here comes Timmy Trumpet. And, yeah, we're the excitement. Mr. and Mrs. Matt are playing the trumpet. I mean, it's a show. We're in the entertainment business. And the Mets are supposed to be one of the good teams in baseball and you just took their closer away. That's brutal. Once again, think if that was us. Think if we were a powerhouse, we had all this money, and all of a sudden our closer just got hurt in the WBC. Do you know how pissed we would be? We wouldn't be like, ah, well, you could get hurt anywhere else. We would not be that. We as A's fans would be angry. We would be angry. Why was he even playing in this? This is ridiculous. It's a stupid exhibition. That's what we would be saying. That's fact. Yeah, um, and you mentioned the part about how, you know, I've seen the only people I've heard say so far that it could happen anytime is they asked Trout and Mookie Betts about it last night. That's after the stupid. Game. Well, you get hurt doing anything. All right. Okay. I want you to save that. Can you save that for me? What, that audio? Yeah. I have it, yeah. Yeah, I want you to save that. And then in three years when no one's playing in it, I want you to go back and replay that and tell me how that ages. Save it. Save it. Tell me how many big-time contract guys will be playing in the WBC three years from now. Can't imagine there'll be many. Save that. Save that audio. Let's see how it ages. Put it in the old vault. Mark the, No, I can't mark the tape. I already have it cut. It's like putting a piece of meat. Let it age for 24 days. <laughs> Let's let that thing age. By the way, Maestro's, by the way, Valley Fair. Maestro's is a real fancy, nice steakhouse. All steakhouses are, for the most part, fancy. But this is a nice one. Uh, they're, they've got a few places around the country. Uh, do they have one in the city? I think they have one in San Francisco. I'd eaten in the one in L.A. and Beverly Hills, which is beautiful. Uh, they're now in Valley Fair. The place is legit. And I also figured out something. I just can't take it down 33 ounces of beef. I heard you tell Paul that. I can't. It's the chef. Chef's Choice Bone-In Ribeye. Chef's Choice Bone-In Ribeye. I can go get it. I still have the buy. I mean, it was like this big. It was it, with the big bone. Of course, bone-in. I can go get it. I still have, like, that much and the bone. I mean, it's like I had no chance. 
with all the with all the appetizers because you know the wife wants out. Well, let's get some let's get some tuna and let's get. I mean, uh, then I had lobster bisque, and then by the time the steak came out, I'm like, oh wow, I got no shot at that. Thirty three ounces. How many pounds is that? Mm. Let's see. It's like how many ounces? It's about two pounds. Yeah, like I was gonna take down two pounds of prime ribeye in one sitting. There's not a chance anymore. I don't have that in me. That would have been that would have been tough. That would have been tough to pull off. Yeah, I just don't. So it was a great birthday dinner, but yeah, I uh, I'm at a point where I have to realize that because you still owe me a steak dinner for saying that no pitcher would throw 200 innings last year, and my man Sandy Alcantara. Did that easily for me and what six or seven other guys? I was going to say he did easily for you about six or seven starts and felt what it felt That's, like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sandy Alcantara is not a five and dive guy. Thank God. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team ladies and gentlemen we have ken korak and we call him the face we call him the voice of the athletics ladies and gentlemen for your viewing pleasure and listening pleasure the face of ace television the great glenn kuiper joins us glenn how are you good tony how are you i i i am i'm fired up to have you on i mean you are when, you are you know Johnny and I are sitting here getting ready for the game and and we're we're just we're locked in on you today because you are you are just in fuego. So so it's how awesome. how is it that you are slumming with us radio people today? Oh uh, hey, you know what? I I, I just we're, we're trying to build the resume a little bit, do some radio. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know what? I mean it's it's I've always kind of wanted to to you know, get the radio thing as well. See if I can see if I can do it. See if I can be any good at it. Doesn't mean I, I I'm, I'm going to do it with anybody. I just you know, and and there's some games here that you know Johnny sit here by himself, the poor guy. You know, so 
I thought I'd help them out. Well, it's fun. Can. We had a great time yesterday. We're going to have a great time today. We're doing a game next Tuesday uh, in Tempe. So um, it's fun, you know, and it's it's a good way to kind of get yourself ready for the season. Yeah, you've done radio for us in the past. I remember being a little with bit. You down at Petco Park when we were doing when we were taking on the Padres at one time. A, a little bit, yeah. I've, I've done a little bit, um, but, you know, I want to – it's – anybody who thinks – TV and radio announcing is really not that different as I am learning, finding out it's, it's very different. And, you know, I, I want to be able to, I'd like to be able to do both. Um, so the best way to do it is to, is to, you know, just do some games down here in spring training. So. Yeah. It, it's great to have you on. Cause it, it really, it, it just kind of gets you going for the season. Cause absolutely. Uh, Cause I mean, how many times, I mean, you guys would normally do on TV, what one game. And then all of a sudden we do, Here's yeah. 150 or whatever. How many? <laughs> well, yeah, we do. Uh, we're doing uh, Saturday on TV, and then one of the Bay Bridge games. But, but you're right. It does take a little time to, to just kind of get, get back into broadcast. You almost need a week, ten days of doing, uh, you know, a game every day to where you, you you get back into that that full flow. Plus, you know, there's a lot going on in spring training with with lots of players. I mean, the A's still have 41 players in camp and. And there's a lot of new guys, and you really want to, you want to see these guys. You want to, you know, see their swing, see how they play, see how they pit. You know, there, there's just a lot going on. So it is important for, for us as announcers to to just be here, um, even if it's watching batting practice. But when you get to do a game, that's even better. So, uh, listen, it's spring training for for the announcers as well. Well, I just want to let you know I'm there in spirit because once again today here in the Bay Area it's miserable and raining. So I'm, oh. I'm wearing my press pass from Arizona. Nice. I'm wearing nice. my spring training shirt. It's like I'm with you there in the press box. Yeah, it's a nice day. You know what? It's going to be about 75. You know, between 75 and 80. Oh. So it's going to be a nice sunny day down here. So we're we're looking forward to the ball game. I never I thought, I thought I'd say this. It's snowing again, and that's not a good thing. Oh my gosh! Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it's it's raining hard right now, right? Yes, it's it's miserable. It's it's uh, after just being there the other day, it is uh, yeah. it, it it's just it's 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 a different world. Uh, yep. You're a former middle infielder. I was just talking about it. I got these notes that show that teams that get better, we want to talk home runs and we want to talk about all this fantasy stuff, but the teams that get better, there's one constant. Their run prevention improves dramatically. There is just something about playing fundamental defense. It's your pitchers got to help too. They got to keep the ball in the yard, yeah. not get lit up. But playing defense is one of the ways you can get better really fast. And it's it's been that way since baseball started, right? I mean that that's a constant. Uh, but I think it's also something that maybe from a fan's perspective, and maybe even from an announcer's perspective. The defense gets overlooked a little bit because you, you you always think about home runs and and for pitchers you want strikeouts and, and that's fun right that's fans love that stuff but when you get right down to it and you dig in a little bit run prevention it, it may be the most important thing right because you can have a good offense but if you got a leaky defense where does that put you kind of kind of right back to to, to five hundred so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and, and there's there's a lot of different things that go into run prevention, right? It's not just fielding and throwing. You know, there's you know, where are you putting your guys, and now with the shift gone, and are the pitchers pitching 
you know, to location. So there's, there's a lot of little things that go into it, but absolutely. It, it's something that I, I, I almost wish we would try to talk more about um, be, because it, it is so important, but it just does sort of get overlooked in, in the game of baseball because baseball is so statistic related. And most of those statistics are offensive statistics. You just don't see a lot of defensive statistics. Yeah, I mean, have you ever broadcasted or played on a team that won and was bad defensively? It's very hard. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just it, it will catch up with you at some point. The only way you can really maybe get around it is if you just score a ton of runs, maybe have a lot of strikeout pitchers. But even that, it's just it's going to catch up with you at some point. It doesn't mean it's going to turn a really great team into a bad team. But I think it's really hard to be a great team if you don't have, have a decent defense. You know, one of the interesting stories really happening right now, and it's not one that's going to get headlines. It's not going to end up on MLB.com on players to watch or anything. But it's just what's happened with Kevin Smith, right? He comes over in the trade, gets hurt, doesn't play well, goes back down to AAA, continues to play awful. I mean, Fran Reardon, his manager, told us, yeah, he was brutal. But all of a sudden, at the end of the year, he caught fire, and it was like he was Barry Bonds or Babe Ruth. I mean, he's hitting a home run every single day. He was red hot. So you're like, okay, what is it? Well, he comes to spring training. He continues to be red hot. He can play third. He can play short. He can play second. It's a dilemma for the A's, but it's a good one to have, right? That you have this guy. Yeah, could you send him back to – I don't know what his options are. Look it up, Cody. But right now, the way he's playing, he's really forcing the front office's hand. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And even today, Tony, he's playing shortstop, starting at shortstop. So there may be something to that. And I'm not saying, hey, Kevin Smith's going to become our everyday shortstop. But, you know, we know the Nick Allen situation. Great defense. Is he going to hit enough? That's the question with Nick Allen. Nobody's dismissing that. Um, could Ledmus Diaz play short? How often could he play short? Is he an everyday shortstop? Probably not. He can certainly fill in there. Um, maybe there's a spot there for Kevin Smith, right? Maybe, maybe you want a right-handed hitter over at third with Jace Peterson, right, who's a left-handed hitter. So maybe there is an opening for Kevin Smith. Um, so this two weeks is going to be huge. And for Kevin Smith, every at-bat, every inning is going to be important for him. But I I, I do think there could be the, – the, the door could be cracked open a little bit for Kevin Smith in the next two weeks. Isn't it fascinating? And, and, but again, today – so. Yeah, that's I – mean, we knew that they were – Peterson and Smith were both going to be in the lineup today, and it's like – this thing is getting interesting. I don't think a lot of people have paid that much attention to it. Definitely getting interesting. But isn't it isn't it fun when you when you when you when you look at spring training? We always think about ah guys are trying to get in shape. Guys are just trying to get ready. You know, <laughs> on, on, on certain teams, every single outing for a pitcher, every single at bat, yeah. you're, you're fighting for your career. Yeah, and, and I think what's what's what what I like to do in spring training and, and, you know, Johnny and I talked a lot about it yesterday is, okay, let's now we're two weeks away. Okay. From the start of the season, let's look at the, the, the battles that are out there for the A's. And we talked about center field yesterday with Ruiz and Pache. Pache's a uh, Pache's playing today. Uh, that's very interesting right there. 
because we know what Ruiz can do with the speed. Is he going to hit enough? A big part of a big trade. That's important. Pache doesn't have options. Left. You know, so, so center field, who's the fifth starter? We saw Muller yesterday pitch pretty well and, and stretch out into 60 pitches. And now you have a Kevin Smith situation. Is there a spot for him? You know, so now you start, you start kind of weeding out guys, sending them back to the night leagues, and then these position battles really come into play into the forefront that you could watch for the final two weeks. So that's what's kind of fun about spring training. Hey, the uh, Mueller's an impressive guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, you know what? He may have may have got a little bit tired yesterday. It looked like Marcotte said, "Let's let's get him to finish this thing." He couldn't quite do that, but still, over four innings. Um, he's a big, strong guy, um, and, and he did pitch well. So, um, you know, he's got a shot at that fifth spot, which is which is great to see. Well, we don't even know how many spots. Is it going to be six? Is it going to be five? True. I mean, <laughs> True. How many started? Well, got? that's another thing. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't know. You're right. Adam Aller has pitched great, right? Yeah. So he's sort of, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but he struggled last year. He's looked pretty good. Muller's looked good. Waldachuk has not looked good. Sears has looked good. So now you just you got this group, and is it possible that you may keep? You're going to keep a long guy somewhere. Is that a long guy that can make a start if you need? Yeah, certainly. Is there two long guys in your – you know, there's so many different ways to look at it. But but the back end of the rotation, fifth guy and maybe even a sixth guy, that's something to really watch closely in these final two weeks. And think about what you're saying about Adam Aller. If I take you back to last year, right, and we're watching you on NBC Sports California, those were some rough outings. And yeah. you were like, wow, I, this guy can't pitch at this level. We talked to him this spring where he talked about how Stephen Vogt took him under his wing about mm-hmm. how to be a pro, how to, how to learn how to pitch, how to do scouting yeah. reports, how, how to harness your stuff versus the scouting reports to get guys out. And he flipped the switch last year. But just go back to what you saw last year and what you're seeing now. Sure, absolutely. So you stay with the guy, even though, you know, you're thinking, man, I don't know, is, is the stuff there? Is the stuff there to be a starter? Can you get through a lineup three times? But uh, he looks—he—he he, he looked a little bit better at the end, and he certainly has looked better, uh, you know, this spring. So uh, there, there, there's probably a spot there for Aller, you know, whether it be long reliever that type of thing. But um, but it's nice to see a guy take his lumps, but then learn from it, listen to a veteran, and then apply what he has seen and learned or heard. And then make it work. And that's kind of what we're seeing from Aller. Now, we need to see him a couple more times to, to see if this is the, the real thing. But uh, it is good to see. And listen, 13 pitchers, and throughout the course of a year, how many do you need? 20? 25? Oh. Right? I mean, so a- anybody throwing well has got a chance to stick on this roster. I mean, at some point, we might need you and Johnny to come out and throw some innings. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know what? I don't know that I would go with Johnny right now. Um, <laughs> I've seen I've seen a couple of his bullpens, Tony. Yeah. Stuff. The stuff has not been good. Okay, tell him. Tell Stuff's, him. Be, tell him. Be ready by September. Yeah, you know, seventy-eight miles per hour, middle of the zone. It's not going to get it done, and that's where he's at right now. He's just, he's just not there right now. <laughs> it's early in spring. It's early. It's early. Uh, it's early, but you know it's it's it uh, it gets late in a hurry for Johnny. You know how that goes. So, a few years back, you told me 
that going to Lambeau Field was going to be one of the greatest sports experiences that I will ever have. And you were dead on. Going to Lambeau right. Field, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I'm happy to say that I got to watch Aaron Rodgers close and personal from the field. He's one of the greatest football players, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. How are you feeling today? Are you okay? Um, yeah, I'm sort of resigned to the fact that he's probably gone, um, which is a bummer. Absolutely, it's a bummer. I, and I asked, and I, I, if, if you were born within the, the state of Wisconsin's boundaries, you, you are a Packer fan. You have to be. Just don't, yeah, you don't know. It's not going to change as you grow older. So that's why my loyalty is there. But um, yeah, I'm sort of resigned to it. I don't like it, but I think maybe it's time. Um, after last year where I thought they were going to be pretty good last year, but as it turned out, maybe they weren't as close to being a, a championship contender as, as we thought. So are they, he goes back there. Do they have enough this year? Probably not. So it's probably time and, and it'll be a bummer because I like him. I know not everybody likes him. They don't like the way he is. You know, I, I, I like a guy who, stands up for what he believes in and doesn't let people sway him. Uh, but two, you know, Tony, I always tell people, and, and I know it's going to sound pro Packer, but the, the, the reality is, is if you can have over 30 years of hall of fame quarterbacking with two different guys, win a couple super bowls and every once in a while, you're going to have a little drama. I think that's worth it. And, and, is this a little drama? Yeah, he's trying to decide what he wants to do. He's going to probably, will probably know by this afternoon. And uh, and then it's it's time to somewhat start over. So um, it's a little bit of a bummer, but I, I think it's probably the right thing to do for both sides. And they have, they're working together on this whole thing to do the right thing for the Packers and Rodgers. So I don't think it's, it's not really a breakup kind of, thing like maybe it was far this is to me it has the the makings of what could be a pretty clean split you make a trade he goes to where he wants to go Packers are ready to move on um so you know it seems like it could be a fairly clean split and I wish him well if he does indeed go to the Jets you know we've been following him since his days at Cal right so he's, yeah. he still has a lot of fans here and I gotta sure. tell you being on the field the way he throws the football the zip that's on the football, yeah. uh, he truly is one of the most special guys to ever play the position. Yeah, and and that's why I, I think there's still something there. I mean, he was – I didn't think he played great last year. There, He was – you know, he had a broken finger. I mean, you know. But, listen, he goes to New York, and you know, if he can handle all the stuff that's going on there, um, you know, I think he's still got a couple of pretty good years left in him if, if he wants to indeed, you know, play there. So I do. I, I hope he does well in New York. I, I hope he, I hope the Jets are great and, and he shows that he can still play because I, I don't have anything against the guy. I, I like him. Um, you know, he, he, he's kind of, you know, does his own thing a little bit, but I, I don't have any problem with that. You know, let, let, let people do what they want to do, you know? 
All right, the last couple of years, you guys have had some tricks for us on NBC Sports California. You had Uh-oh. the you had the wind showing us how it's blowing in, how it's blowing out. Now you've had the opposing stadium compared to the Coliseum yes. Stadium, right? What do yes. we do? We have any new? Tr- does Delaire have any new tricks up his sleeve going into twenty twenty three? Yeah, and you know what? We can't we can't reveal that type of thing yet. Tommy. Secrets. Yeah, um, we like to, to just kind of lay it out there when it when it happens. Um, so, you know, we don't want to spoil anything, but we like to think we we put together a pretty good show on NBC um, with a great production team. But uh, we'll have some goodies for you. You know that, Donnie. We have some goodies for you. Well, I've said it for years. You're just not a pretty face. <laughs> It's, Johnny's laughing. The guy that they call the nose is laughing. Can you believe that? Hey, he, he doesn't. He doesn't have to wear makeup. He doesn't know how hard it is. You want to? You, uh, you want to see a? You want to see a face for radio? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, I love that man. I'm so excited that Johnny's with us. He's awesome. He's going to do a great job. No, no doubt, no doubt. Thank God for Johnny. Especially thank God this spring for Johnny. I don't. I don't know where we'd be without Johnny. He is no <laughs> doubt. If Brody Brazil was the MVP of fantasy camp. Uh, Johnny, no question, is the MVP of spring training so far. Johnny, Johnny, you got to understand, though, you can't be the MVP of fantasy camp when you blow out your hammy in your first at bat. He came back. He was like Kurt Gibson. He came back and led his team to the championship. He's the comeback player of the year. Something like that. And you know what? I do want to tell you before we leave that, that Johnny said he loves coming on with you before the game, and he wouldn't mind maybe extending his segment to like 20 minutes to a half an hour every day. Uh, uh, This just come in from the bosses. They said, no, they said, no, it's, it's, it's called, it says it's his way of just getting ready. He said he really likes it. And and he's, he's not afraid to do it more often. Uh, Maybe even a little post game if you need it. So he's there for you. They said, get Johnny in and get Johnny out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, we always appreciate it. It's a long season, Tony. You got to laugh, man. You got to have some fun, and we're going to do that. Well, thank you for doing this. Uh, We always appreciate it. You mean a lot to us on Ace Cast, how you've helped us all these years. And uh, we will be listening today. All right. Thanks, Tony. Have a good one, buddy. The face of A's television, Glenn Kuyper, joining us right here on A's Cast Live. Paul, it's great to have you on the program once again. And I got to tell you, we miss you on MLB Network. We know you got all the great success going there in South Florida, but we miss seeing you on TV all the time. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Good to talk with you again. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, I, I miss a lot of the people that were there and uh, and and the product that I was a small part of there. And uh, and you know, they're they're still thriving, doing great stuff. But uh, for me, it was. Uh, it was time to, to to spread my wings and fly, and fortunately, I've landed with uh, with a big league team with an awesome job. So uh, I'm I'm happy for it. I, I, it's worked out well for everybody. Yeah, if you're gonna leave the Northeast, South Florida is not a bad place to go. Not a bad place. Not a bad place. <laughs> we were talking earlier. Now it's like when it gets into the 70s, I'm bundled up. I'm wearing thermal yeah. socks and all kinds of stuff. It's just it's it's uh, I'm a different person now. I'm a different person now. Heated blankets when it's 68 degrees. I'm soft. Yeah, people ask me all the time about, you know, you know, because I've been all through Florida, and I, and I just tell them, you know what, everything they say about uh, South Beach 
It's true. It's as, <laughs> it's, it's as advertised. You, it's like the Vegas of the East Coast. You're going to have a good time. Well, no comment on that, uh, but I, I, I am about an hour north of the ballpark, so uh, I, I try to steer clear of anything that could get me into any sort of trouble down there. So tell us about the Miami Marlins. How are they going to be this year? I, you know, I mean, obviously a, a, a trade that happened, you're bringing in a rise, get a little more contact on. They had a trouble score and runs. What are you projecting for this season down for the fish? The uh, the the one word answer that I will use is better. Um, the then the long answer beyond that would be, as you said, uh, more contact. They did that bringing in Luis Arise. Uh, they did that bringing in uh, Gene Segura, who's going to be yeah. uh, playing third base for this club right now. Um, just uh, this past week, guys that'll probably make the roster when it's all said and done, and uh, Jose Iglesias and Yuli Gurriel. So. Um, you know, as it stands right now, the Marlins on their uh, potentially on their opening day roster will have the uh, reigning Cy Young Award winner in Sandy Alcantara, the uh, Major League Baseball stolen base leader in, in uh, John Birdie, uh, and the last two batting champions in the American League in Luis Arise and Yuli Gurriel. So hopefully they're a little bit better. Um, you don't think that they uh, that I'm breaking any news by saying this. They, they did not build this roster to compete uh, in terms of home runs. Uh, with the likes of the Mets or the Braves or the Dodgers or the Yankees or any, you know, teams like that. They built this team a little bit differently to uh, to add more contact, to get rid of some swing and miss. And hopefully, I mean, they lost 40 some odd one run games last year. So, um, you know, the, uh, the the glass half full line that I that I did use and will continue to use is that they were one hit away from winning a lot more games last year. Uh, so hopefully that that one hit comes in uh, in a few different fashions. And the other thing, and I'm sure we'll get into it in greater depth, but um, I, I've said it on our air. I've said it when when talking to our, our GM, Kim Ang, directly. Uh, the, the best acquisitions that she could have made this offseason uh, were three players. You bring in three big bats and you will have a different team in 2023. A healthy Avi Garcia, a healthy Jorge Soler, and a healthy Jazz Chisholm Jr. And those three guys were either unhealthy or unproductive last year. So if those guys are uh, are, are healthy and out on the field every day or 150 games, um, then then this roster is uh, is a lot better, and, and hopefully the offense is much more productive. Well, if there is one player that you mentioned there that's a sneaky good p- pickup that A's fans will know as good as anybody, Guriel is a player. And if he is right yeah. and has a good year, I mean, we've been facing it for years. When that <laughs> happened, when that it was, it was, wasn't it odd? That's like, how's this guy unsigned for so long? I think that is a sneaky good pickup for the Marlins. Yeah, and and listen, that's the that's where they have to operate right yeah. now. Uh, whether it be financially or building a roster or whatever it is, that's kind of how they have to do it. They have to. Uh, be right in the Rule 5 draft where other teams have roster crunches and, and other teams have to, you know, risk losing talented players that they just can't keep on the 40-man roster, and the Marlins have to be ready to scoop that up. And uh, that's that's one way to do it, whether it's uh, creative trades. I mean, we've seen a few of these, like, one-for-one kind of deals. I mentioned Jazz. He was a, a one-for-one flip with Zach Gallen. Um, yeah. You know, obviously the Marlins and the A's got together this offseason a month or so ago, a one for one, A.J. Puck and J.J. Blade. So, um, you know, I think that that's where they, they have to be a little bit creative. Um, you know, 
the uh, the defense uh, that that the Marlins uh, he may not be an everyday guy for them. We'll see how it all shakes out. But he's you know should help defensively and and Guriel, um, both defensively with a Gold Glove and, and also uh, offensively, whether it be contact, average, power, whatever it is, uh, you know, just just add an, another reliable bat to this uh, to this lineup. You mentioned J.J. Blade who comes over to us, and last Saturday when I was back at spring training, he hits a ball off the batter's eye at our, our Ho-Ho Camp Park, which normally is a home run in most ballparks, but we have this huge batter's eye. So he's off and running, and he's booking. Yeah. And inside the park, home run, slides in, and I went, you know what? What we just saw is why he was a first-round pick. You saw power, you see size, you see speed. Uh, you got to see him last year. Tell us what we're getting in J.J. Blade and what kind of player long-term do you think he can be? I, I think that there's certainly, um, you know, we are just talking about the batting title. I think that uh, despite what his uh, short stint in the big leagues may have shown, I think that if, you know, if he gets with, uh, and not a knock on any of the Marlins folks, but, you know, looking ahead for you guys, if, if you guys are able to tap into what's in there uh, and and figure out how to communicate with this guy, I mean, there's some there's some skill there. You know, he wasn't some 18th round pick yeah. out of some small college uh, or anything like that where it's like, well, maybe he's going to be good. Like he was a key player on a college World Series champ that went top five. Like that's that's the pedigree of a really good player. Um, and we, uh, our front office had ties to Vanderbilt, so they knew him inside. Now it wasn't really much of a of a flyer uh, that that they took on this kid. They knew him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that he's going to be that type. And and depending on on who's around him, and um, you know, I, I think he'll settle in and and just being able to uh, you know, last year was get a little taste of the big leagues, and now hopefully for you guys, it's a little bit more of an everyday role. Uh, you know, our two organizations are probably in a, a generally similar spot here where you can give a chance to a younger guy and, and, and give him big league reps against big league pitching and, and, and tough uh, World Series contenders night in and night out and, and see what a guy's made of. And hopefully from there, uh, a guy can become a star, become a really good player um, and, and have some growing pains, which he, he certainly had with the Marlins. But he's a great kid, a really good head on his shoulders. And um, and I I. I know him a little bit uh, from his time with the Marlins and whatnot. So I, uh, I wish him the best. Yeah, we've had him on already. He's a good kid. And every, <clears throat> everything you said right there is spot on. You know, what we, we always say about Oakland, it's the land of opportunity. And it's been like that for years. But when, in, when you do have a situation when you have a lot of guys getting a shot, that veteran presence, we keep talking about what Stephen Vogt meant to this team last year to so many different players. These players are still talking about how Stephen really helped train guys and prepare guys, that veteran presence. So whether you bring in Segura, you bring in Cueto, you're going to have a lot of young players, but how important it is to have some of those veteran guys to teach them the way? It absolutely is huge. You're right. I mean, it's um, it, it's a really important thing to have. Uh, because a, a lot of it, you've had a million conversations with players and coaches over the years, right? Routine is something that is that is a, a word that uh, cannot be overused, right? It's important for everybody. It's important for broadcasters. I, I lean on my routine every day yeah. uh, to get ready for games. So I know that it's important for players too. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, you think of of the younger player now, right? The twenty two year old kid or the or the twenty year old kid, right? They come from 
uh, a lot of them come from that uh, that that showcase generation, right? Where and I, I when I was back at MLB Network, I did the Under Armour game in Chicago every year, and that was one of those games where kids from all over the country would fly into Chicago for two days, play a game, and uh, hope that they got drafted in the first round. And then they'd, they'd disappear, and then they'd meet up again at the perfect game thing in San Diego, and then they'd disappear. Then they got area code games or all the different things around the country. Um, and they, they, they kind of, for better, for worse, it's just the structure of it, they would play for themselves. There wasn't a lot of small ball. Everybody's trying to hit the ball over the, ball, over the wall and, and do, uh, do everything to impress the scouts. But at the big league level, it's a different game. So once, you know, you get that veteran, Segura, Arise, Cueto, Guriel, Iglesias, whoever those guys are, and the Marlins have had a bunch, Curtis Granderson, uh, over these past few years, uh, I show them the ropes of, hey, here's how you need to get ready every single day. Um, and, and sometimes it's more work because the game may not come as easy as it did in the Under Armour games and the perfect games in years past. Um, and sometimes it's less work. Actually, I remember in Oakland last year, Marlins were in Oakland for three days and, and Pablo Lopez was pitching. And I, I had a chance to talk to Pablo who came over uh, or went to the twins in exchange for a rise. Um, great guy. Um, he is big on routine and he's big on every bullpen session. I have to throw X number of pitches and every, you know, every other day I have to do X number of workout. Um, and it got to a point where he was further along in the season and healthier and than he had ever been more pitches, more innings, more games and starts and all that stuff, which also meant more side work than he had ever had before. How do you stay healthy? Sometimes it's doing less and all those things will come from pitching coaches who the Marlins have Mel Stoudemire Jr. One of the best, if not the best in all of baseball, in my opinion, and, uh, and, and a Cueto type, you know, those guys who've been through the ringer of a long season of an October on uh, tacked onto a six month marathon. So uh, all those little things that, um, that you may not see in the box score, that stuff all adds up. Thanks to veteran leadership. When, hey, when Chisholm went up to MLB Network and was sporting all those suits, uh, did, did you help him with the tailor? Did you help him with the style and the color? <laughs> those things were electric. What is in your coffee cup that you think he and I share a tailor? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, no, he's got his people and yeah. I have my wife. Like That's uh, that's how I dress. And trust me, she didn't dress me today. She wouldn't want to see me in this garbage. Uh, but you know no, what I'm so, talking uh, about. His no, suit he, game was strong. Of course it was. I mean, yeah. I, I do see it on the planes, you know, in and out of the ballparks <laughs> on the road and whatnot. So, yeah, he uh, we uh, I think the word that the kids use is drip. He's got a lot of drip and swag and all kinds of stuff like that. So he's uh, he's as cool as they come. He's a, he's a cool cat. That's what the older generation would say. But he's he's a cool dude. He's uh, he's awesome. And. I hope center field works out for him because it'll be great for everybody. Well, he, he's he got special talent. There's no question about that. And, and what was it like? He had a – it was a fracture in his back. I'm assuming everything's all right, correct? Yeah, he's good to go now. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a stress fracture and a, a little bit of a low back thing. It wasn't a little bit of an anything, I guess, but it was, it, was a, it was a back thing that kept him out basically from the end of June through the, through the remainder of the season. So, um yeah, and now it's it's a different position. He's, he came up as a shortstop in the Diamondbacks organization, came over to the Marlins as potentially their shortstop of the future. They had Miguel Rojas already, so they moved Jazz to second. Now Jazz, because 
uh, center field has been uh, a bit of a problem for him the last handful of seasons. He stepped up and said, hey, I'll try center. You guys brought in a rise. He can play second base. I'll go try center field. Uh, he's always idolized Ken Griffey Jr., who uh, was pretty good from what I hear yeah. uh, out there. So, you know, a pretty uh, a pretty good bar to set. So, um, you know, hopefully center field, there's a, a little less wear and tear, more ground to cover, of course, but a little less uh, wear and tear on him uh, to be diving in the hole and all that kind of stuff. So uh, so hopefully it, 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 it's something that he can stay on the field and, and we can watch him. The kid is an immense talent, power, speed. Uh, flair, the whole thing. He's, he's fun to watch. Yeah, it's funny watching the WBC, and there's Ken, and there's Andy Pettit there in the dugout as coaches. It's kind of funny uh, to watch it. <laughs> uh, so last year, we bet, we, we you know, we can't bet being baseball employees, so we, we have food bets. We bet, you know, dinners. So last year, my producer, Cody, bet me nobody would have 200 innings. I'm like, are you insane? I got a guy in South Florida, I'm guaranteed, so it's a steak dinner bet. <laughs> I'm like, I got a guy named Sandy Alcantara will easily get me 200 innings. I just need it. Sandy got me that. It was so – that was one of the easiest bets I've ever made in my life. Uh, You talk about special. I mean, Sandy has got everything you want. He is – Yeah. I mean, you talk best in baseball. He is such a great talent, and I love the fact – Give me the ball. I want to throw as much as possible. He is not a five-and-dive guy. It's not in his heart. It's not in his DNA. And, you know, he's the type of guy at 4 o'clock out here out west when he's going to pitch, we put it. We go to MLB.com and put it on the computer and watch him as we're preparing for our games. Yeah, I'll let you be the judge. I don't know if I was right or or way wrong, because I think I can make a case for either one. But I was asked a bold prediction going into last year. And I said, all right, here's my bold prediction. You got Jacob DeGrom, you got Max Scherzer, you got uh, all these different pitchers across the National League. I said, my bold prediction is that Sandy Alcantara will finish third in the Cy Young voting. <laughs> Now, I don't know if that was a, a, a right or a wrong because, yeah. yeah, he was top three, but he was also unanimous Cy Young. So I don't I don't know. I'd like to think that I was uh, that I'll, I'll chalk it up to I grade myself as an 85 on that one. But, yeah, no, he's special. He's um, he he I, I will I will always go back to a different audience here. So I, I guess I could tell the story again. I when he was pitching, he came up for the first time in 2019. Um, and we all knew that he was he was certainly going to be special or had the makings to be special. And every fifth day that he'd pitch, you know, he'd, he'd pitch okay, and then he'd pitch maybe not so okay, and then okay, and then not so okay. And and every fifth day, Don Mattingly was asked after the game, like, all right, what would you see out of Sandy today, and how can he be better? And he'd always say he just needs to learn that he can get outs in the strike zone, that his stuff is good enough where he can challenge even the best hitters and beat them. And every fifth day he'd go and he'd nibble and walk four. And then he'd nibble and he'd miss over the middle in a home run. And it was, and then you'd see flashes here and there. But there was one day uh, in August in New York against the Mets. And the first two, three innings were blah. Kind of the same thing that we had seen over the course of his previous, whatever it was, 10 starts. And he comes out in the third or the fourth inning. And he was a different guy a different guy. It was just boom, 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 strike, 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 boom, 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 boom. It was just like, you know what the heck with it? Here it is. Hit it. You can't, I'm winning. I'm dominating you. And really from then, I think, I don't know the number in front of me. I think from that point on the rest of the season. So what was it? Eight, nine starts. He had like a two seven ERA. 
Um, and then, you know, 2020 was what it was, but he was still good. 2021, he gets to 200 innings and 200 strikeouts. And then 2022, he wins the Cy Young. Um, he, so, so we've, we've seen him grow. We've seen him mature to not just be uh, a really good pitcher on this staff, uh, but we've seen him become what in everyone's definition of an ace is. He's that on this staff. We've seen him become one of the best in the National League and maybe one of the best in all of baseball, the best in the National League and the best in all of baseball. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to watch him every fifth day. And, you know, I, I went up to him after it was announced that he was not going to make another start. I think he could have started. It would have been his day to pitch in game 162. Uh, but his prior start was going to be his last. And they made the announcement, hey, he's done for the year. Okay, great. And I went up to him in the clubhouse in Milwaukee. And I said, Sandy, I, I'll tell you what, I know that you don't, care about this nor should you but you need to understand how thankful i am for allowing me selfishly to ride your coattails this year because last year i truly got it i got what it meant and what it means to players who play behind the greats or even with the greats trout otani whoever it is um when that player that great player is playing at his highest level and the highest level. It elevates everyone around him. And it did the same thing for me as a broadcaster because not that I would take other games off necessarily, but I knew I had to be especially on when Sandy pitched because you never knew how great he was going to be that night. And our job is to tell the story, the story of the game, the story of the player, the story of the season. And his story last season was amazing. And I knew that I had to be on it every single game. And he had so many special, special nights where he just dominated the competition. And I, I felt a little bit more locked in. Um, and, and it was just one of those things where I said, thanks for allowing me on, on this ride. I said, because every great thing you did this year, my call was attached to it. And uh, and thank you very much. And, and he appreciated that. Um, not that again that he needs to care what he's doing for me selfishly, but um, but he he's it was that kind of a year where it was we're we're a part of something really special watching what he's doing first Cy Young in franchise history. Well, well said. Yeah, he is such a special talent, and hope just you know great health for him. And you know, I think about former A's Jesus Lazardo talk about winning in the strike zone. When he figures that out, he's a special talent. We yeah. hope that. A.J. Puck can stay healthy and figure it out. I mean, he stayed healthy last year. Hopefully he can do it this year. But thank you so much for your time. We truly appreciate it. Uh, when, when, it's, when, it's, when we look on weather.com and we see it's like 67 or 68 there in South Florida, we'll be praying for you. I'll have a hat on. I got to keep my head warm. I got to keep the heat in, you know. So, yes, thank you very much. Get a hot tea and stay warm. And and I know I have to say it, we haven't talked to her this morning, but I know Amelia Schimmel misses you also. Oh, the feeling is mutual. She is uh, she is the best. You guys have a good one over there. And uh, when the Marlins came to town last year, as we always go to San Francisco, but uh, especially those last few years where she's with you guys, um, I always make it a point to. Uh, to uh to to meet with her and talk with her she's great you guys have a good one there well we miss you on mlb network but we're happy for you in south florida you be well well let's talk later in the season appreciate it see you guys jesse welcome back to ace cast live how are you
I'm good, guys. How are we doing back there? How we, are we doing? We were just doing a little geography because we always laugh whenever you play the White Sox, all the broadcasters repeatedly say south side, south side. So we always joke, what side? So the east side would be Lake Michigan, and the west side right. would just be what, suburbia till you get to, to Iowa? Pretty much. The west side is where the Blackhawks and uh, and Bulls play at the United Center. So we, that's the way we think of it. South side is Sox, north side Cubs, west side is Bulls. But, yeah, if you just keep going west, yeah, Iowa and beyond, that's that's how it works. So, obviously, being a national guy, we'll get into a lot of things going in baseball, but we're, we're previewing the Cubs today, and obviously that's in your backyard as we're doing every single team spring training. Uh, when you look at the Cubs only winning 74 games last year and, you know, and having that back-to-back losing st- seasons for the first time since they really started their rebuild to finally win the World Series in 2016, but there's some interesting names that have come in. We were just talking about Dansby Swanson, his situation. His wife is a soccer star there. It seems like a really good fit, what he did in Atlanta, bringing that now to Chicago. How how do you see the Cubs going into this season? Yeah, I think their floor is higher than last year. I think in a worst-case scenario, they'll, they'll have more than 74 wins. I just don't know if their ceiling is all that much higher. I think their ceiling is probably right around 80, maybe a few more than that. If things break well, they did do a lot in the off season, but it, you, know, you just you can't confuse activity with accomplishment. Um, Swanson's a great signing; uh, it's just not enough to, to to sort of propel them into the next level, which is the Cardinals and and even a level above them, like the Phillies and Mets and Braves and those teams in the National League. So, are they better? I just don't know if they're elite. They will put the old axiom to test: pitching and defense wins championships. They have. Both those things. They just may not have enough offense. Pitching, uh, I'm sorry, defense usually never slumps. I don't see why it would here. Bellinger in the middle is great with Swanson and Horner. They have two good defensive catchers, so really strong up the middle. They have developed some pitching. They're deeper in pitching, and then maybe even when they won the World Series, um, if, if, they're, if they need to go to six, seven, or eight starters, they have them. Um, they don't necessarily have that elite guy like Verlander or Scherzer. So it's a good team. Um, remains to be seen if they could be a great team, but they'll be in a lot of ball games. They'll probably win a few, three to two, lose a few, you know, ten to five, that kind of thing. But um, it's good. It's just a matter of whether they're going to be great or not. We were talking about it earlier with our TV guy Glenn Kuiper down at spring training. That you know we see teams traditionally if they improve from the year before. One thing you can always guarantee those teams got better in run prevention we talk so much about scoring runs and home runs and walks and all this kind of stuff if you get better defensively you will win more games wouldn't you agree we don't talk enough about that and especially this year no shifting the infielder is going to have to cover more ground and they're going to have to be far better yeah, I mean, that's what the analytical people will tell you. Um, it, an improvement on defense does equal more wins. However, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies were not supposed to be any improvement on defense last year, and they made the World Series, in part because they have a slugging team. Like, you still can fall back on that, right, uh, at the end of the day. I, I do think pitching and defense is important, but we know that that, that, that old axiom isn't completely true, right? It's a, a, a slugging offense in this day and age, maybe it'll change without the shift, is it, still a nice thing to have. Uh, the Braves won the World Series with a home run or nothing team two years ago. 
the Phillies got pretty darn close this past year. So, yes, all the nerds will tell you improve your defense, but those are marginal improvements. If you want to jump up into the elite group, you need a deep slugging lineup just as much as you need good defense and pitching. Well, you look at the rotation, and if we say base best-case scenario, if you're throwing out Stroman and Hendricks and Tyon, who you brought over, I mean, you can kind of make a case that they're going to be competitive. I think if Hendricks returns from an injury, they're really deep. He's going to be about a month behind. Their young guys are actually pretty good as well. The other night, uh, Javier Assad, you've never heard of him, threw three shutout innings against Team USA, pitching for Team Mexico. He was great. That's a Cubs pitcher who made his debut last year. Um, yeah, they, they're, like I said, they're not necessarily top-heavy. Uh, Stroman's a number one, Tyen's a number two, and a, and a great rotation. That'd probably be two and three for those guys. But they are deep. And actually, I think they could ma- they could match the Cardinals' rotation. They really could. If you're counting on 41-year-old Adam Wainwright and Jack Flaherty returning from injury and Jordan Montgomery, and you know, it's not uh, necessarily the best rotation in the, in the game, the Cardinals. I think the Cubs could match them there. I just don't think they can match them offensively when you're talking about Goldschmidt, Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, and, and, and now Wilson Contreras down there, at least offensively. St. Louis is definitely better than the Cubs in that category. What do you think can really happen with Cody Bellinger switching from L.A. to Chicago? A lot of people in the game have their doubts. Like, I'm, I'm going to try to uh, remain unbiased about it. I've talked to scouts that have watched him early. It's okay. Uh, even David Ross has said the swing looks a little bit better. We'll see without the shift how, how much you know it matters. But it's all proportionate. He might be a little bit better, but so will every other lefty against the Cubs as well. So the question is, can he be MVP better? Can he get back to 2018? I have my doubts. He's, he's not going to see palm trees behind center field. He's going to feel the wind coming in for two months off the lake. Uh, you guys mentioned the lake earlier not an easy place to hit for lefties all season, especially the first two months. I mean, there's been five left-handers in the history of the Cubs to hit 30 or more home runs in a season, and um, two of them have done it more than once. Uh, three of them have just done it once. So it's, it's hard to do. The wind comes in off that lake. So if Bellinger is trying to do too much to sort of get back to his form, he's going to run into problems. He just needs to let the game come to him, get those extra hits through the right side, and, you know, let the power come when it comes, when the weather turns, when he's on the road, that kind of thing. So there's a lot sort of working against him. The one thing working for him is a change of scenery. Don't discount that. That could be a big deal. New voices talking to him in the hitting department, change of scenery, new fan base. I think that will help. But he needs to get past those first terrible months of weather, and let's see where it look, what it looks like at that point. And, and, you know, what I've been reading is that they got some prospects that are coming up, and I think it like first base is, is Eric Hosmer, who is now a Cubby, is, is he just a placeholder? Even Bellinger's just a placeholder. These guys are on one-year deals, could be flipped by, by July if the Cubs aren't in it. Yeah, uh, in fact, Bellinger's more of a placeholder than, than, than even – um, Hosmer, I mean, Mancini's there for a couple of years, possibly. The prospect at first looks good, but um, he wasn't a major prospect, so he's making a name for himself. His name is Matt Mervis. He's actually playing on Team Israel right now. The guy in center is the guy they, they uh, got for Javi Baez from the Mets, Pete Crow Armstrong. His mother's an actress, actually. Uh, he looks like the real deal. He can, he can go get it in center right now. He could, he could be a gold glover right now. His, they, they're going to give him a year at AAA still to, to get his bat there. That's the real deal. 
Um, in center, they have kind of a, a prospect in left of Hap Leeds. And I say kind of just because he's had some injuries, Brennan Davis. Mervis is going to get his chance at first base. He looks and acts and hits like Anthony Rizzo, but still um, AAA level. He was a non-draftee in 2020 when they only had five rounds. So he's kind of come out of nowhere. Um, so there's a good prospect base. We'll see if it's it's almost like their pitching staff right now. It, it's not top-heavy. It's deeper than they've had. But if there's a star in that group, it's Pete Crow Armstrong in center field. Would you bet that the Cubs could win 80 games or more? Oh, I'd bet on that. Sure, I'd bet on that. I mean, if you if you raised it to 85, I would probably not bet on that. <laughs> I would not bet on that. I mean, you know, it's 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 a tight window. There, Vegas has them at 78, I believe. I'd probably. I mean, Cub fans are all hammering the over on that. I'd probably take the over, but with your guys' money, not my own. Like, I think it's going to be tight. It's going to be right around 80. I think playing more games outside their division hurts them more than helps them. There's a real divide among elite teams here, and the Cubs are kind of one of the few teams in the middle. I think the Diamondbacks are in that group. The Giants may be in that group. But uh, there's a lot of haves and have-nots. And right now, until further notice, the Chicago Cubs are in the have-nots category until they prove differently. And they might. Pitching and defense might win them a, a lot of games. We'll see. I mean, base, baseball has a saying like that for, some, for a certain reason. But let's see what it looks like over 162. That's, that's my concern about both trying to win with pitching and defense it's it's hard to do that over 162 let's put your national hat on and speaking of the haves and haves nots you've got 11 teams spending under 100 million you've got 11 teams if you know you're down at the winter meetings you're down at spring training you're talking to people from organizations that's a good percentage of your sport that the owners are not happy with it. They, 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 they agreed to the new deal, but a lot of the bottom feeders, and we're one of them, they're not happy, and they're not spending money. Like I said, 11 of your teams are under $100 million. Just when you hear that and what you're hearing, where are we right now with a lot of these teams are like, you know what, we probably could spend a lot more money, but we're not. Well, I feel very little sorrow for those owners. They voted in that deal, I believe, unanimously, um, even though there were a lot of complaints about that CBT going up um, without uh, necessarily a floor. Uh, there is revenue sharing going on, so you can't complain too much about that. But let's face it, one there, there, there's a lot of unknown facts, you know, the books of all these teams, you know, who's making money, who's not. But, but I'll say this about owners, right, Um and again, some of this is dressed through through revenue sharing, but I think there's uh, this is factual. The New York market makes money more money for the Yankees than the Oakland market. I mean, that's factual. So yep. there is a disparity in revenues, but that should be addressed through revenue sharing. It still doesn't address the disparity though in in payrolls. It's just it's just ridiculous to have a team at 90 million, 80 million, 70 million and another team at 300 million. It's just the NFL exists because they don't do that. The Green Bay Packers can be competitive simply because the system allows for them to do that. So I, I don't feel sorry for the owners, but I do think the system needs overhauling. Um, I think Rob Manfred, you know, kind of is, is, in a, in a, is in a pickle here because of the Padres. The Padres are spending despite being a small market. And instead of applauding them, the league is saying it's not sustainable. Don't look at the Padres as the blueprint. Well, I think fans of the A's or the Pirates should look at the Padres as a blueprint. Motivated owners will spend money to 
to make money. And then here's the ultimate question. Here is the $1 million question. At the end of this year, however far the Padres go, will they make money or lose money? And I don't know if we're ever going to get the real answer because we never get to see their books. But it's a real question. Does spending a ton in payroll and selling out your season ticket fan base and going to the postseason, inherently that should make them money, even though they're the 26th market. They may tell you it won't. The league may tell you it won't. I just don't know what to believe anymore. And that the San Diego Padres are the poster child for all this thing because it's really the first small market team to spend like a drunken sailor. All right, let's end on this. We know you only have so much time. Uh, WBC, do you like it? And do you think some of the criticism about not maybe having all the best players in it, well, pitchers can only pitch so much, do you think that's fair? I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't like anything that involves uh, – I have to talk to my parent club before I can do this or do that. And I've heard manager Mark DeRosa say that we need to talk to their parent club. I mean, it's, it's like literally like talking to the Little League parents. Hey, can I pitch Johnny another day in a row here? <laughs> I guess there's no perfect answer. Maybe you take a month break midseason every four years to run a tournament like that so everyone can play at their peak. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it feels a little goofy. Not the best players are there and, and the players that are under restrictions. I mean, I'll enjoy the semifinals and the finals. It'll be competitive, but I'm covering it every day, and I'm hearing about, you know, calling my parent club and all this stuff. I don't think anybody watching can say it's a perfect tournament or they enjoy it like they would the World Series, but it does break up the monotony of spring training, I guess. You could say that for players and media and fans. You know, it's something interesting in spring training. So I guess I'll say I don't love it, but I don't mind it either. Are we making sure that they have orange slices and apple juice for after the games? <laughs> well, I mean, if they pitch too many innings, they might hear from their parents' <laughs> club after the game, just like a parent might say something to their coach. Hey, man, my kid's got tryouts in three years at travel baseball. You're throwing him too much. So, or you're not throwing him enough usually when you hear from parents. So, yeah, all that Little League stuff kind of applies. It's kind of funny to hit, listen to Rosa talk about you know, oh, man, I got I can't pitch uh, uh, Lance Lynn for three more days. He threw 65 pitches. So it is a little weird and, and to be an international big-time tournament and have these little league rules attached to it, but it is what it is. Hey, we always appreciate the time. Great stuff. Enjoy the rest of the spring, uh, the rest of spring training, and we'll talk to you during the regular season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You got it. Take care, guys. 
Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, the pride of Sacramento, Jeff Levering joins us once again from the Brew Crew. How are you? I'm great. How you doing, Chris? Everything uh, good? Every well, no, because yesterday was my last day at spring training. So I let. So yesterday, I'm at Ho Ho Cam. We're we're taking. Uh, who are we playing? We were playing the Padres. It was beautiful. I was sitting outside, and then uh, I don't know if you've been back to Northern California lately, but you'd be amazed because I know you spent a lot of time going up to Tahoe. You'd be amazed at the amount of snow and rain we have gotten. I heard that uh, Tahoe is actually shut down for the weekend, right? Because people couldn't get through it, and Correct. they were worried about avalanche stuff. No, I, I have never heard of that in my time. Of course, you had the chains, and you always had to work on what was going on when you were driving up 50 or 80, but I've never heard of Tahoe actually being closed. Okay, this is crazy. So we had this uh, – Steve Vucinich, our longtime equipment manager, retired after 52 years. We had this big party on Saturday night, and – I got shown pictures, so it's it's 80. You're on Highway 80, and you're, yeah. dr- you're driving, and it's this just – it's like you're driving through a canyon, right? And the wall – it's up over 50 feet, and you're driving through this canyon of snow on, on – it's like you can't – I couldn't believe the pictures. It's like oh you're, my driving, gosh. you're driving through a canyon, and it's all just impacted snow. It's like, what the hell are they going to do when it melts? Well, I mean, that's a good thing for Folsom Lake and everybody yeah. else because you need the water. There's no doubt about that. And then Southern California is probably going to take the rest of Colorado's water. So you just, you know, that's all part of it. It's all, it, it'll all be good thing once it all melts. It's great for the skiers once they open up 80 again, but you know, global warming. That's another conversation for another time and another 15 cocktails, but we're going to wait. We're, we're going to, Hey, if you want to come out and go skiing on July 4th, let us know. <laughs> I've got plenty of snow in Wisconsin, man. We're all right. We're doing just fine. You know, I would getting ready for this and just checking in on the brewers. It kind of reminds me this year. Well, last year, you know, cause the A's, we went to the playoffs three straight years and then all of a sudden, 2021, we were still in it, still going for it, and we fell short at 86 wins. The Brewers last year remind me uh, of what the A's were in 2021, and now you come into this year, and it's going to – wouldn't you say it's going to be a real interesting year? I would agree with that statement, Chris. I think that – I know that the Brewers are going to pitch. That's yeah. A, number one, they have an outstanding rotation – They have one of the best closers in baseball in Devin Williams, and that's even after the trade of Josh Hader last year. I think they did a good job in the offseason of improving their offense. I think Brian Anderson is going to be a nice little update. Uh, At third base, you could play some of the outfield. Uh, William Contreras behind the plate is going to be a great offensive boost. Brewers got him in the three-way deal with Oakland and Atlanta. Um, It's just a matter – the biggest question mark is, are they going to be able to hit consistently – and number two, what's the bridge from the starters to Devin Williams? That's Those are the roles that need to be won here in spring training and, and really what people are fighting for right now. Well, you know, Matt Bush is a great story. I mean, I remember coming out of San Diego, Mission Bay High, was a train wreck as the number one overall pick, but kind of resurrected his career with the Rangers, and then now what he's doing, you know, so that that is a good story. But when you talk about offense – and I just think two guys I think right away, I think Telez and I think Yelich, how much will they benefit without this shift? 
Two of the biggest benefits, I think, in Major League Baseball because of the shift. If you were watching the World Baseball Classic last night, Telez hit two rockets to the right side that would have been base hits otherwise, but they're still playing in the shift in the World Baseball Classic. So he could have easily had five hits in that game last night. And for Christian Yelich, he's hitting with a lot more power this spring, whether it translates to the regular seasons to be determined. But I, I think that he has a really good mental outlook on what's going to happen in 2023. It's been a really tough couple of years for him. And even if you look at the numbers last year, they weren't what they were in 18 and 19 when he was an MVP and then an MVP runner up. He still had a pretty decent season. Um, and if he can provide what he did last year, scored almost 100 runs, got on base at almost a 40% clip uh, at the top of the lineup, he's going to be fine. I think Rowdy's going to drive in a ton of runs. Um, Willie Adamas in the middle of the lineup who had 30, 30 homers and almost drove in 100 from shortstop position is very underrated in a lot of different aspects in, in terms of National League shortstops. Um, you got a couple of rookies that are they're going to have an opportunity to shine too with Garrett Mitchell in center field pending his hamstring situation, maybe South Freelick moving on as well. So I, I think the Brewers have a lot more punch in the lineup than they had a season ago. Yeah, Thomas has been such a great score for you guys. I remember that was yeah. a trade you went, really, they're going to give him up and go to Mo Tampa's giving him up. I mean, he's been huge. Yeah, I mean, you could understand from Tampa's perspective because they had Wander Franco, and yeah. what are you going to do? You're not going to move Wander Franco off a shortstop, and, and he's going to be a star for a long time. But I, I don't think that Tampa realized what type of clubhouse influence that Willie Adamas was going to be when he came to Milwaukee. They knew what they had personality wise. He's an amazing human being. And that I, Tampa knew that, but as soon as he got to Milwaukee, he's been the bona fide leader in that clubhouse. And, and nobody has to even ask the question, who's the leader. It's Willie Adamas. And he was that way from the moment he stepped on the field. So speaking of clubhouse, and this is kind of the thing that's interesting is, you know, about the future of the Brewers. You know, with the A's, we, you know, movement with players with us in years where we have our runs, where we go three, four years in the playoffs or we're not doing well, there's always going to be movement, right? Everybody is just used to that. When you talk movement with the Brewers, let's start before we get to arbitration, which arbitration cases can be horrific. Uh, just how bad was it when Hader was traded? From the outside, it sounded it just crushed the team. What was it like being around the team when Hader was traded to San Diego? Well, I mean, it happened on an off day, and and you could tell when the team showed up to the ballpark the next day, which was August 2nd, um, that it affected players in different ways. And listen, I, I think the Brewers – after the season was over, they realized that they had made a mistake. Some work, some things work out, some things don't. And I, I think that they had to eat a little bit of crow for that, and rightfully so. Um, and the numbers bear it out. In the last two months of the season, they blew 16 saves. Uh, and that doesn't all happen in the ninth inning. That happens in the sixth. It happens in the seventh. And numbers are what they are. Uh, but you could you could tell um, that that it was affecting the club. But at the end of the day, Craig Council did a nice job, and he said, hey, listen, guys, this is the team that we have. This is the team that we have. No one is coming in and doing anything else. We can't make any other trades. This is the team that we have, and if we want to make a run and the team was still in first place at that point, this is the group that's going to get it done. They fell a couple of games short. So it did affect the team. There's no doubt about that. But they've moved on from it. They've moved on from everything from 2022. Um, and I think it motivated them moving forward to 2023 as well. Uh, Josh Hader is a great talent. and He's going to have another good year for the San Diego Padres, I'm sure. Uh, he's going to make a lot of money because he did in, in arbitration. 
Um, and we wish him well. We just hope he doesn't pitch well when the Brewers come to town. That's all. Hey, I, I, I can tell you, you, you want crazy from last year's spring training. So we wake up in the morning. It's going to be the A's against the Padres. Shamanai yeah. is pitching for the A's. That's what the plan is. We show up. Shamanai has been traded to the Padres. Sean Mania shows up to our clubhouse. He's in tears. Pitchers are in tears hugging him. He goes over to the Padres clubhouse, and he's still going to pitch against us. And he goes out there. He's in a brown uniform with a green glove and green cleats. So we've seen everything. <laughs> I mean, it, these trades are so weird. And yeah. the way that they affect clubhouses, I remember the, the Seattle-Houston trade for Kendall Graveman, Former right? A, yeah. And it totally affected – the way that the Seattle Mariners finished out the season in 2021, 100% it affected it. Jerry DePoto came out and he said, I made a mistake. I didn't realize how it was going to affect the clubhouse. Those guys, and it's one of Corbin Burns' best friends too, right? Their kids were born very close in age. Their wives were great friends. They'd come through the system together. It affects people in different ways. It really does. And you don't realize that until they're gone. And uh, again, I think the Brewers are a really tight knit group. They're a team that has always been preached about connectiveness. Craig Council has one of his biggest things since he became the manager. We have to stay connected. Whoever is in this clubhouse, we have to stay connected. And that was just a moment for the last two months of the season where it just didn't feel like there was great connection. Well, when, when I think about arbitration now, all of us are going to sit here and go, what are we doing? It's 700 grand or whatever it is. That's tip money in Major League Baseball. But our friends over at SiriusXM, the front office show, Jim Duquette and Jim Bowden, their Sunday show, which is great. We have them both on the program. They explained it in the front office view saying they didn't like it. They're like, just pay the guy. But then they said, you know. There's precedence. There's you know. There's arbitration. What baseball wants you to fight? Whatever. It's just ugly when you go to arbitration. And we we've talked about Corbin Burns and that whole deal. Uh, I've I've read that he has met with the front office, but still, it's just it's an ugly situation. What is it like? All of this drama over just seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I think they've moved on from it, to be honest with you. They they did sit down. Matt Arnold sat down with Corbin Burns, and they hashed it out, and they had their conversation that they needed to have. And at the end of the day, Corbin Burns needs to still go out, and he needs to pitch. Um, it, and it's the old adage, right? If you don't like it, then play better. I've heard that my entire life, right? As a player, I heard it in the minor leagues. Guys trying to get up to the big leagues, if you don't like it, then play better. Corbin Burns deserves as much money as he can get. He has been one of the best pitchers in baseball for the last three seasons. Um, you know, arbitration, I think the process sucks. It is what it is. Players are going to complain about it. But when was the last time you heard a team complain that they lost an arbitration hearing, right? You don't hear the teams complain when they lose one. So I think both sides were equally at fault in that situation. Uh, but at the end of the day, Corbin Burns knows what he needs to do to be successful. I think he's going to use it as, as motivation in 2023. And we'll see what happens. It, it's an ugly situation. And if it was me and I was in that situation, I would not be in the room. I wouldn't be in the room. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up just play better because when you were at Chapman and you were at Rancho Cucamonga, we were saying that on this show. Hey, Levering's just got to broadcast better. 
<laughs> and I did. I tried to. I wasn't very good my first couple of years, man. And that's probably why when I was in college, I went from being a starter to a starter and then a total bench player my last two years. I didn't like it, but I didn't play better either. Rancho Cucamonga, the good old days. That's right, man. <laughs> that's right. And you were talking about Matt Bush. I remember seeing him. He was the, sto- the opening day shortstop in the first game I ever called in 2007. Bartolo Colon started against them for Rancho Cucamonga. Was it? Were they Lake Elsinore then? Yeah, the Storm. Yeah, the good old that way back. I mean, way back when I did San Jose Giants, the good old days of the Cal League, baby. That's right, buddy. The Cal, good old Joe Rizzo in the Cal League. Uh, so when you think about Woodruff Burns, are, are they here throughout the season? Do they get traded? I mean, it's a fluid situation, obviously. Yeah, I have no idea how they're going to work that. But, I mean, the, the guys are going to pitch their best. I think that Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, Woodruff is a horse. I would hitch my wagon to him any day of the week. Same with Corbin Burns. Um, I think – and can they still have some control as well in terms of arbitration for next year? Freddie Peralta is locked up to a long-term deal. Eric Lauer, uh, the Brewers bring in Wade Miley to eat some innings at the back end of the rotation, and, and he's been great if he can stay healthy. And Adrian Hauser, they, they're poised – to make a nice long run, they've got six legitimate starters. And then Aaron Ashby, who hopefully comes back at some point in June with his shoulder situation, he's going to throw from flat ground today for the first time in six weeks. So hopefully he's able to come back and make some sort of a you know, contribution to the starting rotation or long relief in the bullpen. So th- they have a ton of starters at their disposal. And, you know, long gone, Chris, you know that starting pitchers, you don't have five. There, no. There's no way that you have five over the given season. It just doesn't happen anymore. So the more depth you have, the better you're going to be. And the Brewers are in a great, great position for that. I know Bob Melvin real close with Council and they're buddies. And Bob would tell us how good Craig is. And he's a great mind, obviously, him and Bob going all the way back to their D-backs days. Uh, maybe it's not talked about enough, but, you know, Craig Council would a terrific player. Uh, but he's been a, a fantastic manager for a long time. Just underrated. Uh, well, he us in baseball know how good he is, but he doesn't get the spotlight some like some of the guys do. But just talk about he really is a special leader. Yeah, he really is. And I talked about being connected with the club, right? So he he manages and he has this knack of taking all of this information that he gets from the front office and then everything he gets from his scouting department and everything he gets from advanced scouts and coaches. And he has this great way of digesting it to make it make sense. I was thinking about this as I was on the treadmill today running. And I said, how does Craig take all of this information? And then, you know, all some of these new school managers, right, that are trying to take this game plan from the front office, how do they implement that? Because baseball, you can't plan it. You could have the first pitch of the game and your pitch, your starting pitcher goes down and then it's just, what the hell's going to happen, right? You can't plan for the stuff that happens in baseball. And that's what I think makes, makes Craig so great is that he has this great knack of taking, okay, who's available to me? Who can I use today? But I'm also thinking about the next day. And then the next day after that, who needs a, who needs a blow in the outfield? Who needs to take a a turn at DH today to get off their feet? He's always thinking about that next move. He's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. And then he has, again, just the personal attributes to go up to a player and say, Hey, listen, what do you need today? Do you need do you need to take a day off? Hey, why don't you not take ground balls today and just take a breather? Why don't you get a little extra treatment? He is so great at being a personal human being with these players because he knows what it's like. 
he maximized every ounce of athletic ability. And I think that's what he relates to every single player. He has no prima donnas in his roster. They just don't last in this organization. You know, you think about some organizations and you go through the clubhouse, you go, man, that guy was kind of a turd. The Brewers haven't had any turds <laughs> since Craig Council has been the manager. And I, I don't think that that's a coincidence. And I think the best move that the Brewers did was go back to the old school colors and designs. Because, you know, someone who grew up, you know, it's Robin Yount, Paul Mulder, Harvey, Cecil Cooper, Harvey's Wallbangers, yeah. right? That was such a great look. I'm so glad. The merch, because I now say I saw it in the airport last night leaving Arizona. The merch for the Brewers is back. Yeah, it's really cool. The ball and glove logo is really awesome. I think one of the great logos is the just the baseball with the seams that are in the wheat. Um, the, there's another logo that they took the state of Wisconsin. It's one of the patches and it's brick with the, it's just such a clean look. Um, they're not messing around with it anymore. I think they did such a great job in the redesign prior to 2020. Um, now my closet's filled with all of this great brewers swag yeah. that if I ever ended up working for another team, I, I would have zero clothing to wear because it's all <laughs> brewers stuff. Cause it's so great. All right. So do we come to you or do you come to us? You guys come to us this year, and then we'll be in Oakland next season. All right. Yeah, well, looking I, forward to it. Well, we'll talk to you again soon. I, I wish we were seeing you here, but uh, hopefully our paths will cross, if not spring training. And uh, it's always great to bring you back home. Yeah, likewise, Chris. It's always a pleasure, and I'm thrilled for Johnny. I know Johnny's coming on the show, yeah. too. And Johnny he came from Sacramento, where I'm from. I'm just so thrilled that he's got the opportunity to be in the big leagues full-time. I, I, I can't wait to see Johnny in Milwaukee. Are you a big Kings fan? I, I'm I'm lighting the beam, buddy. Let's go. I haven't been this excited since the old Mike Bibby and Peja days. Oh, hey, passion for purple is back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to dust this the king stuff off. It's not gonna go over well in Bucks territory, but that's all right. Well, I mean, I, we don't have to hear the well back when Rick Adelman and you know back when Weber and Peja. Ah, the Kings are building something here. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I'm gonna have to really dust off my Scott Pollard jersey. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, buddy, you be well. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Take care, Chris. Thanks for having me. Jeff Levering, the play-by-play voice. He does TV and radio for the Milwaukee Brewers. Where's Vince Catronio in the Valley of the Sun? Vince, you're going to love this. Listen, what do you got? So Spencer the dog was taken to the groomer this morning. And Spencer the dog was done early. So my wife is texting me during the show. Last time I checked, we've been doing this show all spring training, right? I think so. So you think my wife would know I'm on the air during this time. Well, she's texting me, can you go get the dog? The dog's ready. No, I'm on the air live. My daughter went, drove down, picked up the dog, and got the dog. First time that's ever happened, the child with the new car has taken care of something it's never happened before now i know what you've you've had for years what a luxury no turning back and by the way get a gallon of milk while you're out so, <laughs> kind, of, kind of the way it works it's oh. like when they it's like when your kids stand up and they're vertical for the first time yeah. you know seven nine or 12 months whatever once they start moving it's all over once they get behind the wheel it's the same thing it's like the world is open but you're right i mean all these trips that we've all had to make for our kids and for you with with your daughters with all the different activities they've been a part of and amanda having to you know schlep them from point a to point b it's like hey 
go go take the car and don't forget to fill it up with gas. And now you know what life is really oh. like. And uh, we'll see you when you get home. Be safe. It's a first. That's a, mark the tape. This is the first time that's ever happened. It is unbelievable. <laughs> How are you? How's everything going? I'm good. Everything's good. Good to be back. Great to be back in the saddle. It's been out for a few days. Uh, had a little uh, uric acid issue with my gout and uh, kind of kept me uh, on the sidelines. But been good. Been out the you know the complex talking to guys past few days and you know certainly. Today, with the A's playing the Giants, it's a Patty's Day on a Friday with the temperature in the 70s. It's just a beautiful day. It should really be pretty close to a full house and should be a lot of excitement. And, you know, you've got nine games left down here. So 11 spring training games in total that remain. And it's getting real. I mean, I think the A's lineup today reflects that to a certain degree. you got a lot of regulars in there. And with that also came news off the field, which wasn't uh, as encouraging for the athletics, and that's the other part of getting to the finish line of spring training. You want to put everybody in bubble wrap if you can and get out of here healthy. And the A's, like just about every camp, is, is now going to have to deal with something of, with a, at least a couple of guys, and that's that's unfortunate. Are they wearing the special St. Paddy's Day hats today, the, the green ones? Uh, I, I don't. I would imagine. I mean, we, they wear green anyway. So, yeah, I know. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got the Kelly green from, from, the, from the get-go. Uh, we'll see if they put out green bases today, but it's a beautiful day, so it's uh, it, it's great to see and uh, getting closer and, and, and getting, you know, you're, there's, the anticipation is growing and you're getting a sense of you know lineup combinations and I think Marcotte showed a little bit of yesterday and you know kind of the way he would use a certain lineup and even make changes early in the game with with matchups. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that now and. I think that will continue until the A's wrap up with the Bay Bridge series and then get ready for Otani and the Angels on March 30th. Now, we're just speculating here. We don't know. Cap's going today. We don't know who the five or the six are going to be. But we talked about Aller and Sears. If one of them had to be your sixth man and he's got to get some valuable outs and give you length in the bullpen, which guy would you prefer? In that role, well, I mean, I, I, they they had both have options because what you're looking for, if if you've got let's say JP Sears and you're facing a, a lineup, you know, with a right-handed starter, and the opposition is going to use a lot of left-hand batters, and you want to flip the lineup, you want to bring in Sears to make it tough on the other team to make them burn their bench maybe earlier than what they want. So that I think that would be an option. Uh, the same thing with with Adam Aller if you're facing. Uh, you know, a left-hander, and there's a lot of right-handers in the lineup, then you use that, you know, that piece, and you make the opposition, you know, look at their lineup card and, and try to make some of those decisions. So, uh, you know, but right now there's still competition. Uh, nothing's decided. It's at least a five-and-a-half-man rotation, if not a six-man rotation, starting the season, depending on the off days and how you work with, with Fuji and, you know, how that plays out still to be determined. But, uh, I mean, J.P. Sears has looked good. He got the five innings. Allers looked good. I will say this, though, uh, certainly rooting for, for Adam. Was, we were rooting for him last year because his arm is electric. You know, the stuff above the neck was a challenge, and that seems to have improved with his confidence on the mound, plus a better breaking ball. He hasn't really faced uh, competition, per se, in camp. He's, you know, he's, he faced lineups that were, I mean, they, they wouldn't even qualify back in the old days when you had to have, you know, four major league starters in the lineup. But you still have to get guys out. So he's done that. 
and you know when the lights turn on and it's for real that's where you you hope that these building blocks for a guy like Oliver will will pay off and and he can and he can do that moving forward because you know he's got a power arm yeah and you know everybody's looking for velocity and he has that and if he can complement that with a decent off-speed pitch that the opposition has to respect then you've got you know you've got some possibilities and I think that's a good thing yeah that's where in that discussion I went aller because I know he can come out of the pin I know he's got the power arm I know he can start for me and I'm going to need some length and I don't want a guy I'm not going to say that Sears is a thumber but if I, I want more of a guy who can get me more strikeouts if he's going to pitch in relief. But I just know this, five and a half, six starters, whatever we want to call it, you have just created a situation where the bullpen has to get way more outs. When you just do the math, it's simple math, right? The outs, it's just unbelievable. And I know it's not going to be throughout the entire year. There's days off and all that kind of stuff. But you, Domingo Acevedo last year, we worked it out, pitched 70 times, got 203 outs. You're going to need multiple guys to be like that if you're going to be in a five-and-a-half, six-man rotation. The, the math just, it's the way it works. Well, especially early. And with Fuji, we don't really know what the plan is in terms of how far they think they can extend him game by game is this going to be something that's going to slowly build up you know will it will they be satisfied let's say in his first game whenever that is hopefully over the weekend against the angels but nothing's been confirmed or even discussed at least publicly that he can he get the four innings four good innings do do you then get the five the next time and if that's the case then you do like to your point have to have the guy behind him that can provide can you know you know and before innings you know, five, six, and seven, or four, five, and six, like the underbelly of your bullpen. That's where the opposition would crush you, and they would put the game away. Well, now it becomes a different scenario. You got to be, you know, you you have to try to keep the game manageable there, and and have guys that are just not, they're not like the fifteenth guy on your, you know, on your staff. They have to be guys that you that you have confidence in that they have this legitimate role, which is an important role in order for the A's to have success. So, do you, I agree to what you're saying. Uh, but let's let's wait and see how they line up the rotation with that first week with with the Angels and the Guardians and, and moving forward from there. What's one thing that's really impressed you this spring? Well, it's I think it's Christian Pache uh, taking on the challenge of what is in front of him, which is a guy that's out of options. He's still by far a, an elite defender, the best defender the A's have. I mean, Ruiz is is athletic and he's talented, but he's not a defender like Pache is. Now he can't get there and he hasn't played a lot of center field where Pache has played many more reps out there. The thing that's impressed me about Pache is he's had 31 at bats. He has struck out three times. He's only walked once, but he's only struck out three times and putting the bat on the ball because it's spring training, you don't have the same kind of scat stat cast numbers that you would have during the regular season. They do over Salt River Fields up in Scottsdale, but not very many clubs, not very many stadiums in the Cactus League can put those numbers together. So you have to really trust what what the analytic guys are seeing, uh, keeping track of how many of these are ground balls, what is the exit velocity, what are the things that they're reading that they're putting into their formulas to make decisions. I think Pache makes the club. The question is, does, do Pache and Ruiz make the club at the beginning? And maybe, and I don't know this for sure, but maybe you give Pache the first month 
see how he performs, particularly offensively, batting at the bottom of the lineup. And the same thing for Ruiz to kind of get his you know, feet wet and get solid, get going down to AAA Las Vegas. And then it's, you know, it's, as we know, it's performance-based. Whoever performing better is going to get a chance over the long haul to, to hold on to that position. So for me, I think at the top of the list has probably been, has been Pache handling the challenge of, of what's ahead. But the other thing too, Chris, and I know we've all kind of seen it and discussed it. It's just a different air. It's a different professionalism. There's a different experience this year in the ACE clubhouse as opposed to last year, let alone the fact all the things that happened at this time a year ago with, with, you know, Bassett and Chapman, Olson, and I all leaving. In fact, this week, Tuesday, was the one-year anniversary of Shea Langoliers joining the organization. I mean, that's how short a time he's been in the organization. I mean, it's, it's barely been a year now. And look how, how much things have ex- escalated for him. So I just think with, with you know, Jesus Ag- Aguilar, with Jace Peterson, with Aledbas Diaz, you know, new guys that have come, Trevor May, different, different guys that have had this, you know, a, a, a different experience, a little longer of the tooth, little more uh, understanding of, of what it takes to be and perform at this level on a regular basis. I think that plays out. I think Mark Kotze, you know, they've got 22 stolen bases in the spring. You know, everybody's talking about, well, that's going to be, that might be different this year because of the disengagements and because of the bigger bases that that number is going to go up. Well, I think for the A's, the reason it's going to go up is that they've got, they've got better options. They've got more speed. I mean, there were times last year in a game where you know you're looking for potentially trying to advance that runner, and the runner is Sean Murphy, and the reason it's Sean Murphy a because he's very good, but b is because you didn't have a, an option off the bench that was going to be that much better than Sean Murphy. I think the A's will have those kinds of options this year, you know, from the from the get go, and I think that does create some some possibilities for for Mark to be as creative as possible with his offense. You just hit the nail on the head with two different things. One, Pache, it was hard to watch. Like, especially not only for you guys calling the game, but for me having to talk about in the postgame show, he was hitting a buck 07 in June. That's not competing. It was like, oh, my God. So, yes, that is awesome. I'm so happy for him because he's such a good kid. And the, the talent is there, right? Just hopefully the light goes on. And number two about this spring, I will never forget, I was interviewing Dalton Jeffries, and Sean Manaya walked in. He had been traded that morning. He's in tears. You sure. had players in tears hugging him. Yeah, we him. all saw it. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm trying to be professional. I'm trying to do the interview, right, with Dalton, and it's right over my shoulder. Guys are crying, saying goodbye. I was going into the Padres clubhouse to interview Sean Manaya. He broke down after his start. I did him in the Padres. I had the interview in the uh, Padres clubhouse. He he was breaking down in tears during the interview. I mean, it was an emotional day. All the stuff that was going on. I think once again, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's a different. These guys know. Hey, this is who we are, and this is where we're going, and this is you know, no one's looking around going, "Am I next?" At least not now. I mean. Come trading deadline, that might be an yeah. entirely different story, but you know you've you've got major league players that that have uh, you know that have accomplished some things, have accomplished things, you know, in the postseason, and you've got if if they're performing, and the A's are you know still looking toward you know what's next for them, meaning you know the Tyler Soderstroms and the you know the Lawrence Butlers, 
and, you know, the Zach Geloffs, Denzel Clarks, you know, when that next wave is going to start, when do they want to start that wave? And that would mean if, you know, if you could just look at any of the, any of the veterans that the A's have acquired and say that might be a possibility. As I say that to you, Tony, you'll be happy to know I'm looking out on the field here at Hohokam and they are, they are putting green dust or green dirt in the batter's box. Yes. So there's green Aaron batter's Aaron go boxes bra, baby. Aaron go bra. <laughs> do, the, do, do the Italians celebrate St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> we're, we're really not that close. Hey, let me, let, let me ask this. As a proud Italian-American, were you most proud of the Italian team, the fact that they had an espresso machine in the dugout? Yeah, it, it, it's espresso, not Espre- espresso. <laughs> it's espresso. Let's get it right. And absolutely, because when I, when, first of all, I was fortunate my wife and I got a chance to, to, to take a trip to Italy this winter for two weeks. I'd never been, and if you've never been there, I can't recommend it high, high enough. But the way that uh, Italians treat their espresso is like, you talk about just, and there's no, like with us, our coffee shops in the United States, you get a coffee and you sit down and you open up your little laptop and you're kind of hanging out and doing your thing. They go in, they get the espresso, they they bang it and out the door they go like in three minutes. And it's like, it's like coming and going. It's nonstop. And they do it multiple times a day. So uh, all in on the espresso machine. I I actually wanted to see cigarettes and red wine in the dugout. That's what I wanted to see. (laughs) That would have been great. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) All right. Are you doing it with Johnny today? It's uh, myself and some guy named Ken Korak. Uh, We're going to work together today. Can you guys get through nine together? I know he can. I'm still trying to build up my innings, so I might be bailing after seven. You never know. Oh, you're loving the pitch timer. We're going to be out there in about 225 today. Well, let's hope so. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, we just want to see Cap throw the ball well today. You know, bad news with Paul Blackburn going the IL. Manny Pena is going to be on the IL to start the year. So those yeah. are those are issues that the A's are going to have to address and, and you know, find some depth somewhere to, to, to fill those spots. Have a good call today. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. And have a good weekend. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.